Good evening, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Austin, Soldier First Class, and with me, I am joined by... Tobias, with a T-H, Gainsborough. <laughs> President Ryan Shinra. Wilson Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> Tori, and I'm going to steal all of your materia. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you guys all for joining me this evening. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, a movie that either turns uh, 14 this year or 10, depending on which version you're watching. Uh, The reason we're doing this episode is because, as most people who exist on the internet know and follow video games and anime and whatnot, uh, we are getting a remake of Final Fantasy VII. The original is... Yeah, exactly. Yes, um, at some point next year, I don't. Uh, March. March third, twenty twenty. Yes, uh, Square this year gave us a release date for the much anticipated Final Fantasy VII remake, which has only been teased for about as long as the actual game has existed. Because <laughs> uh, it feels like they've been talking about remaking it, or fans have been asking for a remake forever. I'm pretty and, sure uh, that they teased it the year Kingdom Hearts three was also teased. Well, you know, they way back in the day, they did that PlayStation 3 tech demo mm. that they basically recreated the opening mm. of Final Fantasy VII with that. Do you guys remember that? I vaguely, yeah. yeah. Vaguely. Yeah, yeah. That was a thing forever ago, and they thought, oh my gosh, we're going to get a you know Final Fantasy VII remake on the PlayStation 3, but you know here we are, almost on the cusp of the PlayStation 5, and <laughs> the game is not yet out. But it will be very soon. Uh, but on this episode, we're not really going to be talking about Final Fantasy VII itself so much as we're going to be talking about Advent Children, the movie, and the surrounding anime uh, related to it, because there are two notable uh, anime shorts um, that I hope some of you guys watched. If not, then I'll just talk about them. But anyway, that's fine. We are Third Impact Anime, and Ryan and Will, what are you guys? We're people, Austin. But also, yeah, no, but other than that, more importantly <laughs> than people, you are oh yeah, we're, we're we're mid shelf gaming, a YouTube channel dedicated to what does our business card say? Hang on, high quality gaming content straight to your eyeballs. TM, that's a wonderful <laughs> tagline. How did you guys come up with that? Because Edwin was on the spot. <laughs> uh, that was actually a trick question. I came up with that. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did actually. Oh. <laughs> he neglected to tell us so that, or I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome. But anyway, um, so you guys are a YouTube channel. You do a whole bunch of content related to video games of all shapes and sizes. Um, all of your videos have been really good so far, and I'm not just saying that to your horn as my friends. Well, we're going to go ahead and disagree really with stuff. you then, because we know for a fact that our first video was utter crap, but uh, well, that we appreciate sure that the sentiment. <laughs> progress goes yeah, in moder- strides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah m- modesty is a virtue, and I appreciate yes. that. Yeah. Um, but, uh... Yeah, we're, we're, we're enjoying it. We're working mm-hmm. on our puzzle game episode right now, which I would be able to put out quicker if we didn't lose the footage. Oh, oh no. Yeah. But... I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Classic blunder. I mean, are, are you really a YouTuber if you don't have a production issue at some point? No. Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> So that's how we're looking I think, at yeah, it. I, 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 I think we can speak to that. I think that uh, Night is Short Walk On Girl episode is going to come out any day now. <laughs> yeah, you're just not you're just not going to let me live that down, are you? And honestly, you shouldn't let me live that down because that was totally my bad. <laughs> we will eventually do an episode on that movie because it is really good. But speaking of that, we are a third impact anime. And if you guys are new to this podcast for whatever reason, we are a podcasting and panelist group. Um, that does podcasts and panels at conventions and on the internet. 
we do uh, bi-weekly podcasts about all things and anything anime related so uh, thank you for stopping by we really do appreciate it if you guys are fans of the show there are numerous ways that you can support the show uh, mo- most notably through our patreon page which is patreon.com slash third impact anime uh, we just set this up somewhat recently thanks to tobias's uh for wisdom so thank you uh elder toby tobias gainsborough um tobias excuse me not Tobi- tobias yeah. tobias tobias <laughs> or tobias <laughs> exactly um but yeah, if you guys are down for the show and want us to keep making cool new content, um, please support us over on the Patreon or just visit thirdimpactanime.com to find out uh, all about the other episodes that we do and the conventions that we go to throughout the year. We've got plenty of content available for you to shove into your ears. You've got the ears covered, we got the eyes covered. Exactly. <laughs> Teamwork. Also, I did want to shoot out a reminder of the giveaway that we are currently doing. Uh, our friends at the uh, at a video, locally owned video game store that is near to where some of us live, uh, Lost Ark Video Games, uh, in celebration of Animazement a couple of weeks ago, they gave us four uh, import Japanese uh, figures uh, that we are giving away to you, our listeners, and you are the attendees that come to our panels. Uh, we've got uh, a figure of uh, Ruler from Fate Apocrypha. We've got two Pokemon figures, one Ash and one James. And then we've got a Goku figure from Dragon Ball Super. And they are all really nice, and they are all in my house, and I really want them out of there and into <laughs> your house. Um, and it's very easy for you guys to enter into the giveaway so that you guys can get some cool new figures. If you just go over to our website, thirdimpactanime.com, and find the uh, article that says uh, giveaway, or just check the show notes for this episode and it will be available there. And there are some very simple uh, things that you have to do in order to be entered, but they are super simple. Even a robotic cat can do it. A... Sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he can't do anything, so don't give him too much credit. <laughs> Fair enough. He has to be piloted anyway. Yeah. Which begs so many questions, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> let's just keep on going. So we do have a couple of shout-outs that we want to read uh, from both Patreon and Kofi, so I'll hand that over to Tori, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, the first one comes from Abigail P., our very first Patreon yeah. supporter, which is really cool. Um, she says, glad to support Third Impact Anime. I listen to you guys at work, and you make me chuckle as I'm pricing TCG cards. Aww. I was wondering what you guys thought of A Silent Voice. It's one of my favorites from recent years and means a lot to me since I went through bullying as a kid. Um, I don't want to say too much, but I think we might do an episode on A Silent Voice. I would absolutely love to do that. Yeah. Pretty sure so it's we were kind of Yeah, yes. so we were kind of kicking around that idea, so we should do that and dedicate it to yeah. Abigail. Absolutely. I mean, it's just going to be an hour of us crying at each other, which I would listen to. Yeah, but... just nothing but crying. Yeah, I was about to say, Tobias, you got to reset the counter because we mentioned <laughs> Silent Voice again. I'm just going to stick my fingers in my ears and just not listen, <laughs> la, not la, think la, about la, it. La. <laughs> Can't think about it. Oh, yeah. Man, but yeah, we will, we will definitely be doing an episode on that. And if you guys have yet to see A Silent Voice, it is on Netflix, so mm-hmm. please go check it out. Watch and it I, while you can. Watch <laughs> it while you can, or go to Walmart, of all places. You yeah. can buy it on disc, which is that's, pretty cool. That's actually how I picked it up. I didn't realize it was on disc yet, and I was just happened to yeah. be in my local Walmart picking some random stuff up. And, hey, let's check out mm-hmm. the DVDs, and it's, it was there. Like, oh my god. I actually enjoyed being in Walmart for once. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've been going into Walmart and just checking around their DVD section, and they have a fairly expansive anime selection right now, like stuff from uh, 
like Shout Factory and G Kids and Funimation and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Just a, a lot of content, and it's somewhat affordable, especially the movies. Yeah, um, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So. so we got one more shout out from um, some nerd that we've never <laughs> met before. Was this our first Kofi? Coffee? Yes. However you, I don't know these things that the kids use online nowadays. Um, hello, I'd like this read nice and loud on a guaranteed good zesty podcast. Watch Starmew! Okay, thanks. Enjoy the coffee and have a kick-ass con weekend, everybody. So this one was belated because we are no longer anywhere near a con. <laughs> well, we're near art. But thank you, Sarah Steele. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, Sarah Steele, a member of this podcast. So really, this Kofi donation was out of pity and nothing else. Yeah, very true. <laughs> But thanks anyway, Sarah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Actually, That's this awesome. is just this is just her plot to get everybody in the world to watch idol shows. Yeah, it's true. but that's okay. You know, I didn't get to <laughs> I didn't get to enjoy this coffee. Austin, did you save me some? I did. I still have a splash. Actually, no joke. There is some coffee right next to my microphone. So come on down. You can have the rest of it. You got to bring in a Hamacon. Okay. Yeah, I'll <laughs> oh. save it until Hamacon. Yeah, that sounds which is healing. Which Tobias Hamacon is when and where? Uh, we're going to be at Hamacon yet again in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, this is our second year officially. Uh, I've been going for a couple of years previous. Uh, this is, like I said, is in Huntsville, Alabama. It's July uh, 18th through the 20th, I think. That weekend, uh, like 17th. I'm pulling up my calendar now. But, uh, but, but yeah, 19, 20, and 21. Uh, we will all be there. Uh, myself, Austin, Tori, and the other super nerd of the group, Andrew. Uh, I think <laughs> we'll be doing there. Yeah, I think panels. Andrew's gonna come. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope so. He's got panels he put on. That's true. He does. <laughs> he better be there. So uh, yeah, if you guys are uh, more of our, our southerly guest in the Alabama Georgia area, we will be there in Huntsville. Uh, it's always a more chill, relaxed time. I think we're gonna be mm-hmm. doing some stuff with uh, the awesome cast, Basil and crew. Uh, hopefully, doing a live podcast reporting there. I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, well, we will be there in the middle of next month. Yes, we will. And, Very much uh, looking forward to it. And if anybody more our Cara, you know, Carolina fans, uh, I will be in Queen City. I think the first or second weekend of uh, August. Uh, I just got my uh, panel confirmations for that yesterday, so I'm doing a whole bunch of panels there as well. So if you're in Charlotte, Charlotte area, uh, come out to Queen City. Hell yeah! Cool, cool. All right, guys, so um, we want to keep this brief, but has there been anything anybody has been watching or playing or doing of any particular note that you would like our listeners to know about? Well, I've been watching Final Fantasy VII Advent Children uh, for, oh, for an God. upcoming... How was it? Uh, <laughs> what a coincidence. Me too. Yeah, I, I, I was watching it for an upcoming podcast I'm part of. Um, pretty good oh, movie. Okay. Um, sounds, I, I can get into more detail boring. in a little while. But also, I've been playing Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which, mm-hmm. if you like Castlevania at all, get this game because it's literally Castlevania, but not Castlevania because it, it, it. I don't know. I don't know why it's not Castlevania, but it should be. Um, <laughs> but it's very good. And for the past two hours before this podcast, I was playing Mario Maker Two, which is also good. You know, I was just imagining, like, you know how sometimes they put quotes like from reviews on video games or Blu-rays or whatever. Yeah. Um, that would be a great pull quote from you on Bloodstain to be like, "It's uh, not Castlevania, but it should be." <laughs> Ryan McEntee. <laughs> God, I would kill for I would kill for a new proper Castlevania because they're just so good. <laughs> I, 
our frothing demand for Castlevania increases. Yeah. <laughs> right. That'll be a Patreon bonus. Donate $10 to us and you get, like, a video that's, like, three minutes long of me just, like, frothing at the mouth over Castlevania. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon exclusive. We infect Ryan with rabies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway. At the, 20, at the $20 tier. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, I guess I'll go, because I started talking. Um, I haven't really been doing anything other than reading books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm reading this really good uh, Japanese horror novel so far, which is a collection of short stories about a girl and her classmate who were obsessed with murders and all that kind of stuff. What's it called? Uh, goth. Goth? <laughs> goth. Sounds uh-huh. appropriate. Yeah. Um, has nothing to do with anything so far. I think it was just a buzzword. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and then I just now purchased Final Fantasy VII on my Switch, so I guess that's what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I have I have been watching one other thing, but I forgot because I finished. Um, so there was this show that was recently released on Netflix. I don't know if any of you have heard of it, but it's called Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh, and- <laughs> That's another episode, Ryan. Stop. Yeah. Let somebody else. No, go. but I, I watched. Uh, I watched the entire series and both of the movies in a span of like two days. Oof. Oh, oof. Yeah. yeah. You're a trooper, man. Mm-hmm. This is your second watch through of Ava. Um, of the series, I've watched all the movies like a lot more because they were mm-hmm. so good. I'll uh, mention something real brief. Um, Go for it. Basically, I've been trying to utilize my Netflix subscription more recently because there's a wide variety of anime that is on it now and has been for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I recently started finally watching Egretsuko, the Sanrio show. I'm only like a couple episodes in, but I'm actually liking it a lot more than I thought, and it's very pretty to look at. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. We got to do an episode on that when you're done. Nice. Yeah, that is a very excellent show. Season two just came out maybe uh, a week ago from uh-huh. the time of this recording. Yeah. Um, again, staying awesome. It's a really good show. Yep. Very solid. All right, guys. Let's go to take a quick break and we'll go into the review. on this episode we're going to be talking about final fantasy 7 advent children uh the movie came out in 2005 and it is a cg animated film by square enix and their cg animation subsidiary visual works who first started doing cgi cutscenes for the original final fantasy 7 in 1997 the film was directed by tetsuya nomura the character designer and battle visual director of the original final fantasy 7 and written by kazushige nojima a longtime scenario writer for square uh, that has basically worked on everything that they have done since 7. Thank you, Papa uh, Nomura. Mo- <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you, Father. 
<laughs> the movie was the top-selling anime title in North America in 2006 and was the 10th highest-selling anime title in North America in 2007. Advent Children Complete was released in 2009 with some redone scenes and a whole bunch of new ones added. We'll be talking a little bit later about exactly what those changes were and what some of the improvements were. Interesting uh, the thing film- about its release also, its original release, Will and I found this mm-hmm. out when we were doing um, research on the on the movie apparently there's market research that ties this movie to driving up playstation 3 sales yeah i'd heard about that as well like a lot of the consoles moved specifically because people were really excited about watching this movie and it wasn't something that was ever available on dvd it was blu-ray only right Mm -hmm. and that's the thing is i don't know if anybody remembers back in the the stone age of 2006 but God damn it, Ryan. <laughs> but Blu-ray players, <laughs> Blu-ray players, when they first came well, out, were like... 2009, you mean. Yeah. Um, <gasps> I mean, <laughs> when Blu-ray was so new, it was absurdly expensive for seemingly oh, no yeah. reason, and one of the cheapest options was to literally buy a PlayStation 3, which was also not mm-hmm. cheap. Mm-hmm. So, like, the fact that... But you got more bang for your buck, basically. Yeah, it was really expensive, and, like... The fact that they that this drove up sales is probably because people were buying Blu-ray players to like watch this movie, and the PlayStation was a cheap one. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense, you know, considering like the crossover between Final Fantasy fans and people that would buy a PlayStation Three is probably a perfect circle. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah basically, think, uh, if, it, if it's a Venn was... diagram, it's a circle. <laughs> I think the original version was released on UMD as well, right? About the same it time the ESP came out. That was something I so, wanted to mention real briefly because, as we know, Edwin is a big UMD fan, and I wanted yeah. to give him a shout out because uh, apparently Final Fantasy VII: Advent Children, according to Wikipedia, is the second best-selling UMD movie. That really well, does not one. surprise me. What was the first? Uh, Spider-Man Two, which oh. I think was like a, <laughs> I think that was a bundle pack-in at one point oh. for the PSP. Oh, so okay. I don't that count that. Sense. Final Fantasy VII: Advent Children has sold four hundred. I'm sorry, four hundred seventy thousand in sales is what Wikipedia says. That's a on lot UMD. of UMD. On, on yeah, UMD. That, that's a lot on UMD. UMD. That's like an absurd amount. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have it on UMD. I bought it for a dollar ninety nine at Lost Ark Video Games like three years ago. <laughs> I think I was there with you uh, when you bought that actually. You probably were. Yeah. Is it complete uh, or just film, regular? It's just regular. Complete was only ever released on Blu-ray. Okay. And they actually re-released both Complete and uh, The Spirits Within on Blu-ray. Spirits Within! Oh, please, no, that movie's awful. (laughs) But anyway, um, they re-released, Sony re-released them uh, just maybe a couple years ago in a brand new edition. I'm not sure if there's anything on disc that's different, but it does come with a nice, like, slip sleeve and everything, but... uh, Anyway, uh, the film was released to mixed but generally positive reviews, and I think a lot of the impressions from 2006 are still a lot of people's criticisms with this film even today, and we'll talk about what those are also a little bit later. Uh, The film started out as a short film project by Visual Works in the early 2000s that blossomed into a full film as part of the compilation of Final Fantasy VII Project that included the mobile game Before Crisis, the PSP game Crisis Core, and the PS2 game Dirge of Cerberus, which all followed stories and characters introduced in the original Final Fantasy VII. It is interesting to note that Hironobu Sakaguchi, the creator of Final Fantasy and a lar- had a large hand in the original story and development of Final Fantasy VII, but by this point, 
in the development of the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, he had not been with Square for many years by this point, and he did not work on Advent Children or the compilation at all. Uh, the compilation of Final Fantasy VII and Advent Children were almost exclusively Tetsuya Nomura and um, no, uh, Kazushige Nojima's uh, babies. Yeah, I'm pretty sure um, that um, Nomura had taken over Final Fantasy by like around the time of seven. Right, right. Uh, shortly after um, The Spirits Within and Final Fantasy X came out, that's when uh, Sakaguchi left. And uh, I know he's formed his own video game company now. Um, and has for quite some time, but I'm not really sure what they're working on. I don't really keep up with that. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure Spirits Within just like led him into a deep depression, which he was just like, "Final Fantasy is dead. My child is no more." And he just like, right. he he was just like, "This is a perfect time to leave." He has made the some RPGs since then that are pretty solid, like Last Story on the mm. Wii. So yeah. he's still making games that are okay. pretty alright. But um, Sakaguchi's uh, other company is called Mistwalker. Um, it began operation in 2004. And it was it worked with Microsoft Game Studios to create a couple RPGs, um, called uh, Blue Dragon. Oh, okay, yeah. that was him. I didn't realize. Yeah, Blue Dragon was him. Uh, they were also on Nintendo DS, uh, which is awesome. And he also worked on uh, Lost Odyssey. Cool, which cool. is another JRPG for the 360. All right. Well, I guess I'll go. We'll go around the circle and talk about how did each of you first come to watch advent children for the first time at least for me um my coming to advent children was one of the earliest real anime things that i got into with like consciously knowing that it was anime um tobias you may groan but you forget that i am still but a child (laughs) i'm a child of only 24 years old so i'm a baby um, <laughs> I am baby. But yeah, um, really what got me into anime as a medium was uh, through playing Kingdom Hearts for the first time. I, I never really had that attachment that a lot of people did, um, th- like getting into anime through Pokemon, Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z, etc. Like, that really wasn't my story. So we are counting was... Pokemon as getting into anime then? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's anime. It counts. Okay. You, um, you had to watch the TV show, man. You're in exactly. Pokemon. You watched uh, that, mm-hmm. that oh, TV show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so so really whenever I, whenever I picked up a copy of Kingdom Hearts for the first time is whenever I really started to more deeply consider Japanese media with uh, video games and anime being part of that. Um, and getting into Kingdom Hearts 1 introduced me to Final Fantasy and introduced me to Cloud and Aerith and... Yuffie and just a wonderful cast of characters and then I I bought a copy of Final Fantasy 7 around the same time that I asked my uncle to make me a Netflix bootleg of Advent Children <laughs> <laughs> because uh, at the time he was like getting discs from Netflix and like copying them to give them to people which don't tell anyone but this was also like you know ten years ago or even longer than that actually, um, and I you know humbly requested, hey, can you rent this uh, weird uh, Japanese animation film with a title that makes no sense um, that has a seven in it? But apparently you can start there, <laughs> you know. Um, and he he made me a burned disc of it, and I watched it over and over and over and over again, and uh, really you know, quite a while before I really got into the original game itself. Um, and yeah, I guess my love of, uh, my uh, burgeoning love of Final Fantasy really came from uh, from my history with Kingdom Hearts, getting into the characters that way. And 
yeah, just watching this movie over and over and over again and really being into it and just watching the Sephiroth fight on repeat. <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll go around and everybody else can sort of tell their story. So, uh, Will, how did you first come to watch Advent Children? So mine is a little bit of the opposite of what you just said. So I got into Kingdom Hearts because of Final Fantasy VII because I was like, Cloud's in this game. And then it was all <laughs> downhill from there. <laughs> no, Kingdom Hearts is great. Um, but yeah, I grew up playing Final Fantasy VII. My dad kind of introduced me to gaming a lot with the ps1 so that's like the nostalgic console for me so of course we had final fantasy 7 it was my first uh, jrpg outside of pokemon um so it really connected with me i really liked the story and the characters and then a couple years later i realized there was a movie and that it was a sequel so i knew i had to get it so i ended up mm -hmm. buying it's like the com it's not the complete one but it's like the original movie, but it's like the collection on DVD. And mm -hmm. it comes with like mm -hmm. a script of the movie and like some other goodies. So I ended yes. up buying that, uh, my local used books and more store, uh, and watched it and enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I mostly came from a background of I was already really familiar with the game and the characters and everything. So I already had a lot of this knowledge. I had played Crisis Core at that point already as well. So that I watched mm -hmm. the movie like after that. So... It was. I was kind of late to the party by the time I actually watched it. <laughs> what about you, Tobias? Your your story is probably a little different than ours. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, I was I was also more of like an, a Nintendo kid growing up. So I didn't play the original game when it came out. Uh, but a friend of mine let me borrow his PS One and the copy of the game in two thousand three or two thousand four. So I, I'd gotten like to the end of the first disc where, uh, you know, spoilers, Aeris dies. And what? Uh, what? I, I'd gotten to, <laughs> no. I'd, I had, I had gotten to about that point, but just, yeah, it was, it was fun. And this is about the time I was also watched Ava for the first time. So a lot of my memories of, of like watching those Ava DVDs and playing FF7 are kind of commingled. A lot that's of the, very, the digital, that's very thematically appropriate. Exactly. Yeah. So I like I, I realize uh, I, I I replayed FF Seven like three four years ago, and I'm realizing there's a lot of that same like the whole nostalgia through the music and the scenarios is bring back a lot of the same memories of like uh, watching Ava and that same that same period of time in my life. So in any case, I played this game until like 2004, and then right after they announced this movie is going to come out. So, like, I'm riding the hype wave. All of my friends who had already been Final Fantasy VII fans were really hyped for this movie. So I kind of jumped in on that wave. So the movie comes out. We don't get a U.S. release. But somebody releases a fan sub of this thing. So, like, the week the fan sub comes out, everyone's freaking out. Uh, I somehow managed to teach myself how to author a DVD. Uh, <laughs> not, not, not just burn a DVD, but, like, author a DVD video. Uh, which so I you did you did together. the complicated stuff. Well, yeah. So at this point, see, I was at this point, I was in like an anime club in college, and we mostly just uh, used disc the ADV sent us or what disc people would bring in. Mm -hmm. But this was before you were able to just plug in your laptop to a TV. Like we had our anime club used one of those old school TVs on a cart, kind of like you guys probably used in high school. Whenever the mm. teacher didn't want to actually teach that day and just watch a, a video, yeah, we used to. My favorite anime, that. Bill Nye. Yeah. yeah, so that was those TVs didn't have HDMI ports. That wasn't a thing. They didn't have you know the VGA computer ports. So there was no real way to hook up your computer to a TV. So we had to get creative. So I learned quickly taught myself how to author a DVD. I, I made three or four copies of it just in case the disc broke in the middle of the movie, which it did <laughs> actually. It was in the middle of the movie and the disc broke and it froze. What? And I had like. 
I like it. Like, stop, stop. I got it. I got it. Everyone's like groaning. Like, you know, you know, we have to watch. We can't can't watch this movie. Quickly change out the disc. Wait, uh, wait, wait. Like, back, back up, back up. The disc broke. Well, no, no, no. Okay, the the disc froze. Oh, I so see. I guess okay. like the authoring process or whatever. Like, it just froze the movie, and I. Being a little neurotic at that point, I prepared for that scenario. I very vividly remember that. In a room full of like 30, 35 nerds crammed into this room, uh, this like really small college uh, like classroom, uh, quickly changing that out, watching the movie. Everyone's like, you know, freaking out, cheering at the entire movie. I'm, I'm just riding high on that wave, not really understanding <laughs> half of what's going on, on the screen, which uh, honestly didn't change with this viewing, by the way. But. <laughs> Uh, at, the, at that time, I watched it several times. It was a really enjoyable movie to watch, but I had not revisited it at all in the past 14 years. Again, 14 years this movie's like been out uh, up until reviewing this podcast. Tori, what about you? So, I think I would have been like 12 or 13 when this movie came out, so I was really heavily into going to the local like movie rental place, which wasn't a blockbuster. I think we had... Um, Hollywood Video, mm-hmm. and they were one of the few that had the um, Game Crazy, I think it was called Game Crazy attached on it, so this was before we had GameStop in my town, and then sub, uh, they killed them off. <laughs> but um, In cold blood. Yeah, basically. So I would go in there so much, which meant, you know, I begged my mom like two or three times a week, can you drive me into town so I can go in a movie? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, we had gone in there so much that I had start started to become like friends with the staff and stuff and so like thanks to them uh i got into kingdom hearts (laughs) i got into j-horror um and was watching a lot of things i probably shouldn't have been watching at 12 and 13 but um to back off to piggyback off of that uh, my only knowledge of final fantasy was 10 10 2 and crystal chronicles on the gamecube (laughs) um and i had never touched another final fantasy because i was just so obsessed with 10 and 10 too that i didn't care about anything else but your dad played final but, fantasy on the ps1 right? yes he did mm-hmm. but i was so young that i have just very vague memories mm-hmm. of like him bringing the ps1 home and he had that cloud sears t-shirt that oh my I, I do oh. very vividly remember him wearing that all the time that was his like work around the house shirt if any of you <laughs> listening have that shirt please mail it to me yeah i have to see if he still has it probably not but um so I just, I happened to remember, like, walking, like, through the store, and I was like, whoa, this is a Final Fantasy movie. Um, and I had definitely watched Spirits Within before that, because um, that was the one that came out first, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I had definitely watched that when I was young, too, but um, I knew of Final Fantasy VII, did not know anything about it, so I picked up the case, and I went to go talk to the guy that was in the game store, and I was like, have you watched this? And he's like, yeah, it's really good. You should get it if you don't know, like what you want to watch um he's like i think you'll really like it and so i took it home and i watched it and i loved it so much that i had to go out the next day and buy a copy of it and i did nothing for a period of three years maybe but watch that movie at least two times two or three times a week because i loved it that much incredible <laughs> that's funny yeah all right ryan so. what is your personal history with advent children all right buckle up boys and tori um so final fantasy 7 i first heard about in my fourth grade class and somebody called it fifa to abbreviate final fantasy and i'm just <laughs> like what is this soccer and, um, oh my god and so FIFA. i then went to my piano teacher's house and i used to go with my friend and we would like you know 
I would do my lesson and he would do his or vice versa or whatever. And whenever one of us wasn't doing our lesson, we would play the PlayStation downstairs. Um, so I played a fair bit of it at my piano teachers. I don't think I actually ever got out of Midgar, but, um, you'd have to play for quite a while. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, I, I got far, like pretty far, like enough to know I liked the game. And then Mm -hmm. I never played it for years after that, after I stopped taking lessons because, you know, I never, I never had access to it. And then, um, I still, I knew that I still liked the, the game though. And so I like looked up plot summary and everything. And so I knew everything about the game and I was looking up details about Crisis Core, um, like I was looking up cutscenes, and I found uh, on YouTube, ancient YouTube, I found the movie, <laughs> and I think it was... Was it in 72 parts? Something like that. It was like 20-something <laughs> parts. <laughs> it was. They were like 9 minutes and 59 seconds each, and it was uh. an absurdly long playlist that I watched in Japanese and I was annoyed about that at first because I, I prefer dubs personally because and I was just like man I have to read but I mean when you're when you're a kid you have no patience for subtitles right exactly yeah. so like I first watched it on YouTube probably in like 2007 2008 um and then like five or six years ago I was going through a breakup and I just I had bought the steam version of Final Fantasy 7 um and i decided to play it and so i was like holy crap what took me so long to actually finish this game and so then immediately when i finished that i looked up um advent children complete and watched that um like six years ago at this point and yeah final fantasy 7 is easily my top three of final fantasies I know this is an extremely uh, difficult uh, request for me to make, but can you, in your best way, in uh, 30 words or less, describe <laughs> the setup of Final Fantasy VII? I'm kidding about the 30 words. You Take your time. Okay. Um, so Final Fantasy VII is about Cloud Strife, a very popular character for the youngins known from Smash Brothers and everything is a very popular <laughs> character probably the poster child for the final fantasy like brand i'd for say sure. um basically sword yeah probably because he's edgy mcedgelord <laughs> edgy mcedgelord spiky hair big sword. i mean he didn't have a louis vuitton collaboration so mm, this is true yeah <laughs> but his game's better <laughs> anyway, anyway, Will, please anyway, continue. Sorry. Please continue. Um, so you, you play as Cloud, the main character. He used to work with this company called Shinra, who's a big energy corporation that's sucking out the life planet juice for energy purposes. Um, Keep it PG, bro. My apologies. The life stream. <laughs> um, so you play as Cloud. The beginning of the game, 
he's working with this uh, terrorist group called Avalanche, who they're trying to sabotage Shinra's uh, activities to help save the planet. Very noble cause. Um, throughout the course of the game, you find out more stuff about Shinra being kind of evil, sucking out the planet energy, it's killing the planet. Then Cloud sees one of his older comrades, Sephiroth, who's a main antagonist, who is trying to uh, basically summon this alien creature named Genova with alien cells that's already infused in him. It gets complicated from there, but basically you kind of work with fighting off Sephiroth, make sure it doesn't end the world by having a giant meteor crash on the planet. And eventually Cloud kind of goes through, meets a lot of friends that help him out on his journey to help save the planet and stop its destruction. So that's kind of a very basic synopsis. Uh, real brief minor spoils, the game does end with you winning and the planet <laughs> helps you beat the meteor. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was one thing that about Final Fantasy VII, which um, fans were sort of uh, so curious as to what exactly happened at the end of the game because it was left so ambiguous. Was um, it though? And I think I think so. I mean, arguably, I mean, yeah. it's the only thing you really like when the game ends. Um, like you see Holy fighting Meteor, and then you see a big explosion. And then it said like it says like five hundred years later, and then it's uh, Red Thirteen and his Cubs like on that cliff that you see in the beginning of Advent Children. So it is kind of ambiguous as to what exactly happens to Cloud, Tifa, Barrett, and all of our other amazing friends. You I see, guess that's um, true, yeah. yeah. You see that the planet lives on, but it's more so what happened to the characters you just spent 80-plus hours with, because besides Red 13, exactly. you don't really know. Right, I, assu right. I assumed, personally, because Red 13 survived, that, like, so did everyone else. Yeah, I mean, that makes that, that definitely makes sense, but, like you don't know like the, you there there's a lot there it's it's not it's not clear mm -mm. i could have sworn unclear. at the very end you see them all getting on the airship no i think that is before all of that all the big explosion happens yeah gotcha yeah but anyway um and so that that's sort of why you know a lot of people find advent children somewhat strange because it it totally gets rid of all that ambiguity and there's a argument to be made that that's not necessarily good but i guess we can talk about that later i don't but, think uh, that's the real complaint most people have no most people children. want yeah most people want a story to like get an, an epilogue or something so i, I was mean, personally very glad yeah. we had like a continuation yeah but some sometimes stories are made better because they're more ambiguous i i don't know i mean i i understand that that's not the major complaint for some people but I, I think that even in its ambiguity, the ending of Final Fantasy VII is still good. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really necessarily need a follow-up. Um, but we have one, and we're about to talk about it. Uh, we actually have many. At least two. <laughs> yeah. Um, at least two. So, uh, Ryan, can, no, four follow-ups we have to Final Fantasy VII. Right. Uh, can you give us the setup of Advent Children, then? Okay. In a world where Cloud <laughs> defeated Sephiroth. <laughs> I can't keep that up for very long. Um, okay, so basically, we know Cloud beats Sephiroth and everybody lives happily ever after. Or do they? But do they? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm getting there. Me, I'm building suspense. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. So everybody lives happily ever after. Or do they? So we flash forward to two years after they beat Sephiroth in the Great North Cave. And... Um, we see the Turks doing Turk things, and they're apparently good guys now, and, like, they're on pretty good terms with the Protags, which I was cool with because I really liked uh, seeing their interactions with them. And um, 
basically there's a there's a effectively leprosy but alien is spreading around Midgar and it, it kind of gave me a bit of a Chernobyl vibe because I just finished watching that series as well and they were yep. they were just like stay away from the Mako reactors and I'm just like this is basically Chernobyl but Final Fantasy and also leprosy um and so anyways yes. Uh, alien leprosy is running rampant through everybody and they're just like this is the planet getting even with us for killing everybody and I'm just like no because it's affecting children children didn't create Mako reactors and um, so it turns out you know plot things happen and there's like these three people who are basically mini Sephiroths who are just like mother over and over again and they are trying to attack cloud for reasons that are not honestly explained very well <laughs> and they basically just want to be one with Genova again and resurrect sephiroth and cloud is trying to not let that happen all while trying to rescue children and cure space leprosy yeah that, that's that's one way to describe the film i think um if you want to add anything go ahead <laughs> it's actually well, I, called I think... Geostigma. Yeah, it's called Geostigma. <laughs> Thank you. I was completely Thank blanking you. on the name. <laughs> yes, Geostigma. Um, yeah, I think I think that generally sort of sets it up. But uh, and this can be something that we discuss later. But you know, with with the original Final Fantasy, it has a very set and very clear set of themes, and. At least for me, it's a little bit hard to hammer down seeing those same exact themes in Advent Children, but I think that their theme, the themes of Advent Children are slightly different. Um, Grief slightly... was definitely a major theme of Advent Children. For a second there, or... I thought you said Grease? Like bacon <laughs> no. grease? Yeah. <laughs> what, what movie did I watch? What oh, the... We're supposed to <laughs> yeah, watch Grease? Do you Grace? not see John Travolta as, <laughs> as a cloud? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, I think that's a really good like literal synopsis of the movie itself. That's pretty much what happens. Um, there's a lot of events that are nigh incomprehensible if you've never played the original game at all. Uh, so don't try to watch this movie if you have no experience with FF7. Uh, you will not have a good time, I don't believe. But uh, I, th- I feel like oh, oh you want to you want to do this now, Austin? <laughs> I d- that was Tori, not me. <laughs> oh, oh, Tori, you want to do this, Tori? Yes, I'm bringing no. out a 13-year-old me. You don't know what you're talking about. Go on. <laughs> Did you actually enjoy it when you like ha- didn't know anything Absolutely. about Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I loved every ridiculous, gratuitous <laughs> moment of that movie. <laughs> and I think that well, speaks I, to something that resonates with a lot of people about Advent Children. But go ahead and finish your thoughts, yeah. Tobias. We'll, well, get to well, that. I, will, I will say when you mentioned that, because I, I did think about that in the earlier rewatch. Um, I, I was thinking like the, the plot makes barely in a sense to, to someone who's actually experienced the games but i think a lot of the visuals and the fight scenes in particular uh hold up as well as the general visual motifs of ff7 as a whole so like my my general recommendation be don't if you've never played ff7 don't watch it for the plot watch it for the bishi boys jumping around hitting each other with swords because <laughs> to be honest that's movie, pretty much what i watched it for the first time <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, yeah, I mean, it, it's really good at that. Well, maybe not perfect, but it, it's it's a it's a good example of a mid two thousands anime action type of show. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like it's successful in that. But uh, where was I going with this train of thought? For Tori so rudely and loudly interrupted me. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, you just said moments ago that I'm loud and annoying. So <laughs> exactly. <there you> have <laughs> it. <laughs> no, I feel like I mean one thing, I, and I took to like tie back into what Ryan was saying earlier. I feel like a lot of people that like know about FF7 in the public consciousness do consider Cloud edgy Mick Edge Lord. But on my on the on my replay a few years back, and even this, I, I don't think that's a fair assessment of Cloud as he actually is presented. Like I, I see him struggling I... a lot with that. I, I mean, you're going to anyway, so yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say that uh, this movie, especially in the end, kind of changes that, and I'm sure that's something we'll end up talking about later. So yeah, said as an unfair snap judgment from a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I guess I don't know if it's just again that relationship to Evangelion, and remember this did come out about the same time that Ava did, so I feel like there is a reason a lot of those themes kind of go hand in hand. That we look at the main protagonist, and it's easy to skim over. Uh, in Cloud's case, like a lot of the stuff he goes over, just because he's the big badass with a sword. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did actually again replaying FF Seven uh, a few years back. Really did kind of relate to the struggles he goes through. He's just kind of thrust in this this situation, like half trying to find his identity, trying to reach this ideal version of a hero that uh, you know he's trying to reach forward. And even in this movie, even defeating Sephiroth, uh, spoiler alert, uh, before the the movie itself, uh, he's still trying to. I guess reach that platonic ideal of being that hero, and he's he finds himself wanting over and over again, and I feel like you see that a lot in his interactions with with Tifa, both in the game and here. Uh, I really like Tifa's character; she's the only sane person in 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 any of the media, basically. Uh, of this, she's the only she like is, she is the true main character of Final Fantasy as a fr- as Final really, Fantasy Seven as a franchise. <laughs> she really is. Like you've got all these characters that are either like crazy out there or cloud that's just moping around you know in this movie and she's just like just come home like come on get over it <laughs> go to bed <laughs> exactly <laughs> but you yeah, know i i guess i did kind of enjoy the the thematic there uh, as far as him trying to you know find himself i feel maybe it drags on a little much but i i i think that it does help redeem his character more so than just being a the bog standard Final Fantasy spiky-haired protagonist that uh, a lot of people will give that series hell for. Yeah. Right, and I, I think a lot of people have sort of retroactively coded Cloud in Advent Children as being Cloud overall. Mm-hmm. And, like, the modern interpretation of Cloud, like, in Dissidia or in uh, Kingdom Hearts or whatever, is very, very informed by his Advent Children version. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, honestly blame Kingdom different. Hearts for making him edgy because... Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. so true. That came first, and he was edgy as hell on that. Man, his, that's his, very true. He's very brooding. He's very mopey, and he his, doesn't. His character design he, is just yeah. kind of hey, now. very much a hot topic goth. I love his band aids yeah, yeah. on his Buster Sword. I know. <laughs> don't, don't you guys love how on the nose the lone wolf imagery is? Don't you guys just love that? Yeah. Yeah. No, is so subtle. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, but I, I guess we can talk about the design a little bit. Just like in contrast between um, uh, Final Fantasy VII, the original, and this film, this film is so drab. Yes. It is so drab. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that as a negative thing because I think this film, while being you know 10 to 14 years old, still looks very good from a production standpoint um, in terms of its animation and its design and whatnot. But it is... It's almost a color-free film, with the exception of, like, 
the live stream and Vincent Valentine. Yeah, and everybody else was wearing flowers. black. Yes, but lots of black, lots of gray, and it's it stands in a lot of contrast to the original game, which is very colorful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess if you take into account that literally everything has been destroyed, yes. and so it's just, you know, wrecked buildings mm-hmm. and metal and just sharpness and stuff mm-hmm. everywhere, it would make sense that it should feel like there's this dirty, grimy, yes. gray overlay. That's yeah, one of my definitely yeah. does. That's one of the smaller mm-hmm. things about the film is like the whole movie takes place on like Midgar's edge. I think they call it like Edge of Midgar or something in the movie. Because like yeah. it's yeah, implied it's the, this it's whole city is like gone. It's the outer area of Midgar. Yeah, and like that area looks so like trashy. Like obviously because it got destroyed like two years prior, but like there's the the world of Final Fantasy VII has so many great locales. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of a little annoyed that, like, it was only in that one area for, like, the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, overall, I do well, like Midgar the, as an uh, area. In the Hidden City as well, or the Forgotten City. That's that was true. one of my There's favorite like, locales yeah, like two the scenes game, there. So, yeah, yeah, two places, yeah. Overall, like, I, I do like Midgar as a location. I did enjoy seeing it here, but then I agree. Final Fantasy... And I think it's the problem with people's memories of FF7 as a whole is they remember Midgar. They remember you know Cloud versus Sephiroth. This this one this this, this whole battle between these two Bishi boys, and forgetting of it, FF7 is pretty fun and colorful uh, outside of that area. Uh, I cannot wait for the Dolphin Jump mini game to come back in the remake. Yes, that one little mini game defines. And like you mentioned earlier, the rifle swinging mini game like that is <laughs> FF7 to me, of course. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I do, I do kind of like seeing Midgar, but you're right. There's not a whole lot of diversity in set design here. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do we think of our villains here in, in Advent Children? So we've got, um, we've arguably got a couple, like, tiers of sub-villains. It's like, we've got the Turks, but they're more sort of, like, pseudo-allies at this point, like, anti-hero sort of deal. I didn't even uh, consider Ru- them to be villains in this one, because they were, like, straight-up working well, with them. Yeah, but we, we also gotta consider what their motivations were. It's It was sort of the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of mm-hmm. deal. Um, it's not like they weren't off to somewhat nefarious purposes. They wanted to rebuild Shinra. Exactly, because yeah. Reno yeah, yeah. even spills the beans, and that's one of the reasons why Cloud is so unwilling to work with them in the beginning, where Reno is basically like, hey, Cloud, you can, you can work together with us, and we can rebuild Shinra. And he literally says, not interested, and walks out, <laughs> yeah. which is a wonderful scene. Yeah. And Rufus sort of has his own very somewhat unclear motivations, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily... Um, benevolent per se um so we've got the turks but again they're more like anti-heroes and then we've got our sephiroth remnants which uh Mm -hmm. which struck me as interesting i can can explain yeah i can explain each one of them like in a very simple way you had the one that cried a lot you had the one that you had the one that didn't say anything but liked guns and then you had the one who screamed mother 24 (laughs) 7 So there actually is something that I learned about them recently, and it absolutely makes sense. I wish I had had this knowledge. So Kadaj was supposed to be like Sephiroth's pure hatred, but also like love for humanity or something like that. Um, Lowe's, which was the buff guy, I think, was supposed to be just, uh, yeah, it was supposed to be just like his raw brute strength. And then uh, Yazoo. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what he symbolized, but they all they all had he, something he had specific. His hair. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I wish the movie, Tori. I wish the movie was at all clear about that. It is not. I mean, 
not on a surface level, no, but if you take no. a few minutes and think about it, like you can kind of see it, but like it, it still is very, yeah. very ambiguous. I guess, I guess it makes sense, but it wasn't really well portrayed. Yes. Yeah, it's poorly executed, which I think is somewhat of an idea of, you know, uh, forgive me, Father, because I'm about to speak ill of you, but I think that is one of the major detriments of Nomura's storytelling style whenever he's left to his own devices, <laughs> is that he has a lot... Too metaphorical. Has, yeah, he yeah. has a lot of these what wouldn't it be cool if ideas <laughs> and does not really know how to present them in the yes. most coherent way. So, so, so really what you're saying is everything that, he does. So what you're saying is yeah. Nomura is the Tomino of video games. Yeah. In some ways, yeah. He's a little bit of a funky dude. Father, I, I will forever love you because you gave me life. You brought me into this world. Uh, <laughs> but cool it. <laughs> Yeah, and he wears socks with sandals, so what do we expect? He does. Wait, wait, he and does. cargo shorts. And cargo and shorts. And cargo shorts. In the year of our Lord 2019, going uh, to E3 with cargo shorts. <laughs> God, that hurts me so much. Not like, you're, you're acting like half the attendees there weren't also in cargo shorts. Come yeah. on. That'd be this But yeah, um, and I guess talking about Nomura a little bit, and, and this movie and Kingdom Hearts 2 were uh, in development at the exact same time. So very obviously Cloud and and uh, Tifa and Aerith uh, show up in Kingdom Hearts 2 with their uh, Advent Children redesigns. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing that didn't really hit me uh, until watching this movie recently is that Nomura seems to have recycled some of the concepts that he introduced in Advent Children. <laughs> uh, most notably, the uh, group of people who are actually an amalgamation of one other person that all wear similar outfits and have the same color eyes and just variations <laughs> on the same exact look. Doesn't this sound familiar? Kingdom Hearts 3 slash Dream Drop Distance. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, let, let's not let's not get on the Kingdom Hearts train a little bit uh, please, too long because yeah. we'll, we'll be here all day. But <laughs> that's um, our uh, seventeen part series coming soon. So as we <laughs> sort of uh, as we sort of outlined already, it's like we've talked about Cloud a little bit, and a lot of people's complaints about Cloud is that due to this movie existing, it sort of undoes some of his character developments from Final Fantasy VII. So from you guys that have played this game more in depth than I have. Uh, what do you think about that? Because I I see where people are coming from, but I also see that I also see it in a different way. So if you guys would like to elaborate on why you think that is or isn't the case, um, well, so like in Final Fantasy VII, he didn't really he didn't really have like personality beyond what we read in text. So a lot of it was like what you kind of associated in your mind. But, like, we saw a lot of, like, beautiful mind-style stuff from him in the game. And then here we were seeing, like, an entirely different side of him. Like, one that was trying to put that aside and, like, move on with his life. Albeit he was doing it fairly poorly. But I, I enjoyed seeing a different side of all the characters. Because Tifa was definitely more confident and less, like, what do we do now, Cloud? Like, she was the one who was telling him, you know, dilly-dally, silly-shally or whatever the hell it was right right so yeah i, I that, that is true yeah i do wish um, we got more we, from the other characters but you know yeah. yeah uh and like we sort of outlined like tifa in some ways is, is a major star of this film and uh i think that her character development from being very like unsure of herself and very uh 
sort of reliant on Cloud uh, as the de facto hero, as her savior somewhat um, in the original game. She is very self-sufficient in Advent Children. She is really the, the, the Cloud's rock that really pulls him along out of this like um, woe is me depression that he's found himself in. And uh, I think that makes Tifa a very uh, strong piece of this film overall. Right. I agree. I feel like in the game as well, like a lot of it is about Cloud. He starts off being kind of on his own, not really wanting to really get close to anyone in Avalanche and everything. And like throughout the game, he makes friends and get kind of opens up a bit to his party and everything. And in this movie, of course, he's obviously griefing for like the loss of his friends who have had died previously. Spoils. And also probably a little bit of guilt over the fact that he had a very big role in that very true but like even in the game tifa is also kind of that rock that helps bring him back like towards the end um and i feel like Mm -hmm. this movie had i guess very similar beats into like cloud kind of starts off being on his own he's kind of sad and then tifa helps bring him back and like that the game did that and i think the game did it well in the sense of like him kind of just accepting his past and learning to move on and this movie was a lot of him doing that again but more so on the lens of i feel bad because my friends are dead i see so you're saying that the the game was more so about cloud coming to terms with himself and the movie was more about him coming to terms with his guilt is that what you're trying to say essentially i just feel like in terms of like the progression of how that's shown it follows a similar pattern in the game and in the movie it's kind of what i'm i'd hazard to phrase it like this like the game was more cloud finding himself and the movie was him coming to terms with what he found that's fair yeah coming to what he found and also uh one of the major themes of the movie is like getting over like uh your your grief your sins uh even ask Mm -hmm. vincent i think in the middle of the movie you know how do how do i begin to forgive myself and we even look at the disease geostigma against stigma being a thing there where he's he's found uh you know that he's able to save the world with this group two years back but really all he's done is delay the inevitable with this disease and what sephiroth has already put into place here so has he really saved the world, or has he really just kind of made it worse in some way? And uh, you know, seeing Denzel and the other children suffer under this alien leprosy, as it were, and yeah. I think it's what he struggles with is like, well, did I really succeed? Did I really do the right thing, uh, or did Eris die for nothing? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a there there is a moment where um, after the big sort of dragon battle and. Uh, the avalanche crew is on Sid's ship and Cloud is fighting Kadaj. There's that scene where uh, Tifa is basically talking about like how, at least from her perspective, they've sort of lost that same fire that they had two years ago, but it seems like Cloud has found it again. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that sort of speaks to what Cloud's arc was intended to be for Advent Children. It's like finishing the work that he whether he was consciously aware of it or not, like, had not finished yet. And that was sort of finally ridding the world of uh, Sephiroth by them, I guess, defeating him, but not really. Which, again, begs the question of, like, I don't know, do we need to retread these waters, necessarily? I'm not sure. It's like, is Final Fantasy VII enough to say the story is over, or is Final Fantasy VII made better by the existence of this film? I mean, I think that's kind of an open question, but I don't know. I think it definitely stands on its own, but this definitely added a different layer. 
but Sephiroth being back was 1000% fan service. He was not yes. needed. He was <laughs> yes. not needed in this movie at all. No. But I, I like the little touches of like him having those moments in his subconscious, I'm, I guess, with mm-hmm. Aerith and Zack and, you know, them giving him the courage to keep keep going and keep trying to figure it out, figure like to keep trying to figure things out. Versus just, like, flat up, flat out giving up because he doesn't feel like he can do it. Like, yeah, it's a really dire situation. And um, just to see him keep pushing through that because he knows he has those people that believe in that believe in him. And um, it's all worth it for that one scene at the very end where we get to see him crack that little baby smile. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I, I do have friends. I have people... They care about me, mm-hmm. and I can keep on going because of that. Yeah. So Zach as a whole actually is very interesting to me because they used a lot of uh, footage from Crisis Core, which is great. That's that's a great game that I would also love to see be remade at one point. Um, but in Final Fantasy VII, you could go through the game without learning exactly what happened to Zach beyond the fact that he exists and he was Aerith's boyfriend. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't know much about him besides, like, this is the dude who Cloud thought he was because, you know, mind-boggling things. You You don't necessarily have to find out what happened to Zack or, like, the living legacy thing. So them adding that was a nice touch. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's, to me, like, I don't know how I would feel if I didn't really know what happened to Zack before I watched this because... Mm -hmm him just standing over the buster sword and like leaving it as a memorial for Zack basically was like very impactful to me. Cause he took it as like a, I will be continue your legacy. And then he like left it as a memorial granted. The sword looked like it had been through hell and back. So he's like, I kind of need a new one <laughs> or <laughs> several <laughs> as it were, several. <laughs> but um, yeah, Zack, Zack was handled very well. I thought, but it was, it's still interesting to me because like he's kind of an oddity that they didn't actually make necessary to understand in the main game. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it strengthens Cloud's overall ar- it strengthens Cloud's overall arc in Advent Children by including more of Zack. And I can almost guarantee you that they wanted to at least up Zack's presence in the film because Crisis Core was in development. Yeah. So they wanted to sort of tease this uh, connection to this character that uh, a lot of people would really connect with because Zack is a very. Uh, very good boy, a very good protagonist like of his own game. He's like a human puppy. Yeah, he's he's a very good boy, and uh, I, I'm glad that they decided to highlight him a little bit more in this, uh, in anticipation of Crisis Core, and I would echo you, Ryan, as well, that I really hope that they do an HD remaster of that one day. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. If we got Final Fantasy VIII, anything is possible. <laughs> right. I've got, I've got thoughts on what they should do with the Final Fantasy VII remake as a whole, but I'll, I'll, let, I'll save that for the end of this podcast. Yes. Because it's, it's a very hot take, but it would literally print square money if they did it.
I mean, I guess to go back to your original question, though, like, does this movie stand alone? And you, know, you mentioned earlier with the ending of the original game being very ambiguous, and the, you asked the question, do we need to explore that space? And, you know, honestly, I come away from this movie thinking it's pure fan service. Like, yeah. they're, they're, like we talk about the themes, and I try to, like, pull something out of Cloud's development. But honestly, I think as a whole, this movie is fluff, uh, really. I, I don't think it's really necessary. I feel like the fight scenes, while fun to watch uh, in some ways and not in others, I honestly left the movie wondering, well, I don't really understand why. <laughs> right. It's like Final Fantasy VII is, uh, is so wrapped up in its own thing that it doesn't really need to be followed up. But, I mean their decision to follow it up i mean is not necessarily bad it's yeah. it is just kind of what you said and a lot of re- a lot of the reason why it resonated with me as a kid is honestly very very shallow reasons cuz i like cool fight it scenes it looks cool yeah. and it yeah. looks cool and uh, i think for a lot of people um, that's what they like about this film and mm-hmm. that's not necessarily bad it's just not necessarily deep or thoughtful or whatever yeah, but i uh, mean kind of going into i talked about the original hype that, that surrounded that movie this the game had been out for uh seven years i think people were still you know talking a lot about this game it was still topping the charts of you know best game of all time mm-hmm. uh like right before you know ocarina of time and it's kind of that rivalry you see between those two of you know whatever what, which one of these is the best game of all time on these, <laughs> these listicles and whatnot i just so yeah, people were still like really into this movie as a whole yeah so when that came out people were really hyped for it and i think that hype certainly carried people through enjoying it originally i mean it did me and and all my anime club friends but watching it again 14 years later it's it's it feels like definitely a sign of the times i guess yeah for sure but couldn't you use the same argument about the prequel and sequel games like did those really need to be a thing crisis core was very good um well i think crisis core sort of has its own identity dirge of cerberus is again kind of fluffy yeah. And more like uh, they they wanted to like, give more of a focus to Vincent. Is it yeah, an you... unfair assessment or an unfair hot take to say that Vincent is like Boba Fett? Vincent is like Boba. Fett. <laughs> I would okay. I could be really <laughs> I really could. Yeah. I mean, I guess Vincent the difference is between Vincent and Boba in the Fett game. is like that most eventually people, Vincent most became people awesome. I knew okay. like growing up were like when I mentioned Vincent um like, because I had looked up all the stuff and, like, found, like, oh, there's literally a party member who's, like, a vampire werewolf that has a gun. <laughs> and, like, I asked one of my friends, I was like, what did you think of Vincent? And he was like, literally who? Yeah. And I'm just like... Between him and Yuffie, it's yeah. like, wait... Well, Yuffie is, characters? Yuffie is a lot <laughs> less missable because if you're just doing Leave random encounters, you'll run into her. <laughs> Yeah, but um, that's true. Think, but that is that is kind of confusing. Like, if you played Final Fantasy VII very bare bones and beat the game, there's an entirely possible there's a uh, a strong possibility that when Vincent, if you never encountered Yuffie or Vincent in the game, and they show up in the movie, you're just like, excuse what? me, what? that's crazy. <laughs> See, Yuffie that's, much much less so, but yeah. yeah, that's my main thing about the movie. Is I feel like, and maybe Tori can talk more about this, but like having not as much like if you just walk into the movie without knowing like some of the smaller more refined details about the game like why they always refer to cloud as like brother or like the relationship with the turks and like even the main party members because the movie is mostly a cloud story and sephiroth story Mm -hmm. so by the time the party members come in tifa just looks at denzel and she's like oh yeah these are our friends so it's like okay sure (laughs) and like all these crazy wacky characters show up and everyone but like Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like it's hard to judge based on my prior knowledge of i already know everything about it like what's it like experiencing that for a cohesive storytelling aspect 
so my thing was when I first watched this movie, I I understood the very like surface level of the plot. Like, okay, they're trying to bring this guy back so they can destroy the world, and now all these kids are infected, and we have a child cult, and like it it's not hard to understand the like surface level of the plot. Yeah. But there there are little things in the dialogue that you can kind of pick up on. Like I I do believe that in the beginning, they talk about Cloud being part of Soldier. Yeah, and, so and you uh, can... there is that monologue that Marlene has where she basically, in a very bare-bones fashion, sums up what happens in the original game. Yeah, the, the Marlene monologue, though, was absent from the original movie. No, no, it was there. Um, when was she's there. hiding in Vincent's cape, right? No, no, at no. the very beginning. Okay, very, very beginning. Of okay, the very, very where beginning. she explains okay. the plot of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, that's in the original movie. Um, was it? So, yeah. if you if you are, like, listening to these little things in the dialogue, you can kind of piece together, like, okay, well, Cloud must have been with these guys, and um, they're trying to find their mother, and... <laughs> Which is um, this be- uh, uh, beheaded alien lady. And yeah, right. Yeah. So you you can kind of put it together, but you know you won't. I I do agree with you guys sort of on the sense that like you don't really put everything together one hundred percent without the little bit of prior knowledge, um, especially when like you said some of the wacky characters show up like Vincent or you know when you're talking, <laughs> yeah with his uh, <laughs> Scottish accent. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, when they're all on the airship and they're like, okay, I guess these are our pals. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Just imagine watching the movie up to that point. I'm like, all right, I have no clue who these whose Japanese characters are. Why are they? Exactly. Why, are, why is the motorcycle like doing flips and stuff? Why is he I got know. sword and a sword? And who the hell is this cat character? <laughs> and this what is big this dog. ninja girl or this dude with the guns on the gun? What the hell? Well, the I movie know, opens but... with re- with the end of. But of seven with Red Thirteen and his children looking at yeah, depending if, on which one you're, you're watching. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're if you're watching this movie for the first time, you've probably already forgotten that by the time they show up. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was referring um, more to like 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 are you like a uh, catchy. Yeah, like, what is a little cartoon character? What? The <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I don't I don't think it really takes away anything going into it without knowing anything about the game. Um, and, you know, once I get through this game, I'll probably have a different opinion, but, um, you know, taking the movie for what it is that it's, like, core yeah. <laughs> is that it's, it's just pretty computer animation. Right. With... So this, this <laughs> yeah. film is a, is a buster sword that cuts both ways. Yeah. If, if you see what I did there. Because it is a, uh, it is a film that is, I think deep enough to resonate with some Final Fantasy 7 prior fans and vapid enough to resonate with people who just know Cloud from Kingdom Hearts. But see, I knew Cloud before Kingdom Hearts, so... Whatever. Yeah. Personally, yeah. The principle's the same. Personally, the pers- he's yeah. my best friend. He saved me once. <laughs> um, so, can I... Oh, yeah, I was just gonna back. I was just gonna backtrack for two seconds because you had made a note about um, should this movie have been made a game, mm-hmm. and that was an original consideration. Like whenever they were per- first planning mm-hmm. this film, they thought for a brief second maybe we'll make this into a game. My but, yeah, my thing is that the pacing of the movie is really weird. Um, so they would have had to have done a lot of fluffing and all sorts of stuff to have made this into I think 
a full length game. Yeah. If it had, if it had been like a short spin off episode or something, sure. But they weren't really doing stuff like that with games quite yet at that point. But I I think it works best as a movie, mm-hmm. even if it didn't need to be in existence at all. As it stands, well, as it stands, yeah. as it is, it would have been a terrible game. But they, if they made yeah. it into a game, they obviously would have like reworked a lot of stuff. There but, would, yeah, of yeah. course. There would be a so lot of motorcycle uh, segments in the game. Oh, man. But just like piggyback off that, I do think the pacing is is kind of an issue in this movie. Um, in which I kind of want to tie into like the whole complete version. Because there were a lot of scenes they added here, which I felt half the time were really great interstitial scenes. Between mm-hmm. uh, the stuff that was happening in the original but also a lot of fluffy stuff that kind of bored me and I thought went out of off track. Uh, I, I, well, while the general plot is pretty basic here, we go from, you know, everything up to the final, like, 30, 45 minutes of fight scene, a gratuitous fight scene that just never stops. Yeah. Uh, no, no, Tobias, let me, let me brief you, briefly correct you. I will say that the second hour of the film is basically one long fight. It I is. Wrote it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, like I feel like some of the interstitial scenes, like they added a lot with the Turks that I thought were really good way to glue, mm-hmm. um, the basic, the basic plot points together. I thought some of the Denzel stuff was, was pretty cool as well to flesh out his character, but mm-hmm. some of it just felt really silly. Uh, when you have this, all these anime characters, you know, fighting this big dragon dude, and his big scene is he threw water at one of the the dogs. <laughs> the dragon dude, <laughs> by the way, was actually Bahamut. It was a uh, it was uh, Shin Bahamut, but um, that's like a small yeah. tangent. But like, I, I we weren't actually sure when we were watching. We were like, is that Bahamut? And I looked it up, and yes, it was. Yeah, it's uh one they made just for the movie, I think. Yeah, it, it's appeared in stuff since then, but yes, it yeah. was. If they had Yuna, this never would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like so, the, all the new stuff. I, I, some parts of it I like, parts of it I don't. Uh, did anybody else? Mm-hmm. I, I, I know you guys kind of jumped into a little later than I did, but did anybody notice a noticeable quality, uh, video quality between the new stuff and the old stuff? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So I, I know one thing for sure that they did is they um, they went back in and uh, changed up some textural things. Um, most, most notably in like some effects work and specific scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, during the final fight in the, uh, original version, uh, there was a lot fewer like feathers going around whenever Cloud was fighting Sephiroth. Okay. Um, they, they changed up the, uh, the blue lighting effects on Cloud, Which whatever he's doing. Which looks amazing Yeah, now. it looks very good. They changed up and they made it like more, more vibrant mm-hmm. and more, um, mm-hmm. visible it's entirely it's been a while since i watched the original so it, mm-hmm. it, it, it the original one might not have even had that blue effect i'm not even sure i don't think it did because mm-hmm. it stuck out enough to me as yeah. not remembering it and today is the first time that i have ever seen the complete version mm-hmm. so it stuck out enough that and and like cloud getting all bloodied up oh yes lots like, of blood yes that that stuck out enough to me that i was like i i don't remember this right, so right. Well, and that I was think, some new footage i think that was a cool way to uh show off the game mechanics because they, they never really use materia because they don't have materia except you know of course this the summon for bahamut sam yuffie uh, has plenty of it <laughs> well, yeah, has it yeah. <laughs> but, but like she she doesn't really like they, they, they never no. really use it because they right. don't have it but mm-hmm. all of those blue effects i interpreted and again i didn't notice them until today either tori uh mm-hmm. i interpreted the, the main him using the limit break so that was a cool way yes. to that's what that's, that's what breaks. it was at the very end like right before he does omni slash is yes he was using limit break 
But mm-hmm. um, other than that, no, they just used a lot of um, visual. No, effects. no, no. He he uses he uses climb hazard at one point several times actually. He uses he his limit break effects. abilities, but like his true limit break was when Sephiroth threw him into the building. Cloud starts glowing blue and then just starts wailing well, he, on him. That was well, like that. technically his limit break. I mean, he does that a couple times throughout the fights. So, I mean, I could see him doing. It, I guess if we're talking game mechanically, I mean, you wouldn't be using limit break several times a fight, yeah. except you know, it was an hour, an hour freaking fight. So yeah, you probably could. So use uh, was several was, limit uh, was anyone else also deeply upset that there was never a segment where Tifa is fighting and then like a uh, slot machine pops up on the screen? Yes, I, Man, no. I, I had that thought, and I think I mentioned it to Will. I was just like, so what are they gonna? How are they gonna show the slot machine limit breaks? Because. <laughs> I love that one. Huge missed opportunity there. Yeah. It's her pausing, saying, hang on one second, and then pulling it out of her back pocket. <laughs> I thought it was really cute with the one fight that um, Tifa has with one of the antagonists, and then after she yeah. beats him up, his phone does the Punchy fanfare. Sephiroth. Yeah, Punchy. Yes, I love that. That was a really cute bit. It was bit. very good. Yes, yeah. it was. I think and That was I, just a wonderful fight in general. Oh, yeah. yeah that was I a wish, really good one. I wish we saw more like fights with the... I know, again, it was a very big cloud story, but I wish we just saw more of the main cast as well. Like, that Tifa fight was great. That was, like, the only oh, non-cloud fight, really, in the movie. Besides, like, we got the that, We got that very brief moment in the, um, the, for, 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 yeah, God, I can't talk. The Forgotten City. Oh, with City. Vincent. Yeah. yeah very brief, very though. brief, though. That that fight scene in the church where yeah. like Laws grabs her by the legs and is swinging her around and yeah. then she gets thrown and does that Spider Man move on the wall. I was like, yeah. that was amazing. <laughs> the, yes. I was gonna save that. To, like, I had a very one, funny thought about that that, that particular scene. Actually, is um, they had a guy credited. I did not realize that a lot of this movie was mocap. Also, um, they had a, a thing in the credits. They were like fight choreographer, and I'm just like. How the hell did they court? How the hell did they mocap that? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that earlier, and uh, do you want to yeah. go into that now? Or? Sure. So yeah, Visual Works they did um, and continue to do most of like the uh, pre-rendered content for any Square Enix property. Like they've worked on Kingdom Hearts. They worked. They their their debut was actually on the original Final Fantasy VII. So like all the pre-rendered cutscenes that are in like full 3d and stuff like that from ff7 were them and they're it's squares in-house like 3d cg anime production team Mm -hmm. um and they basically do all of that stuff so anything that you see from square that's like pre-rendered content like that it's it's all from visual works and um um yeah a lot of the stuff that they do is mocapped um compared to a lot of other like 3d cg anime which isn't um and i think that's sort of what has helped um this movie and other square animations like this sort of stand the test of time like if you watch even the uh opening cutscene from kingdom hearts one which came out in 2002 i mean it still looks like worlds better than some 3d cg anime that's coming out right now right um and i know that that was extremely like difficult to do back in the early 2000s and the late 90s and stuff like that like even if you go back and look at final fantasy 8 like those cutscenes, I mean, they're a little fuzzy and a little grainy and a little chunky, but you know, they look really they're good. good. Yeah. You're the yeah. most handsome yeah. man at the ball. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, and uh, just visual works, um, their animation style is very, very impressive. And I think uh, just to go back a minute to uh, what you guys said about the Tifa and Laws fight, um, 
uh, Nomura on the original Final Fantasy VII was he was credited as a um, let me look it up real quick. He was credited as he was a character a, designer, I believe. Yes, he was a character designer, and he is also uh, credited as the battle visual director, and that's what he's credited as in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So, and he has a very distinct fighting style in his direction which is very good, very visceral, um, really great camera work, really great um, commandment of his own weird physics world, which if you look at things like Final Fantasy VII Advent Children and other things with uh, like action scenes that he has directed, they're all very unique and uh, mm-hmm. very visually interesting. And honestly, I think that's Nomura's biggest specialty is that yeah. he has this amazing flair for... Um, making iconic uh, fight scenes like these and directing them really well and knowing where to put the camera. If only somebody could take the script away from you. <laughs> um, that reminded me of something that stuck out to me, and now that you put it in words, makes a lot of sense. But the scene where um, Kadaj and Cloud are fighting in the building, there's a lot of, like, angular uh, camera shots, and mm-hmm. they're, like, like tilted or upside down or stuff like that and that's stuff that you would see in like a physical live action movie so to see that in something like this was really cool yeah and there's just some insane nonsense that they do especially in that sephiroth uh, fight where they yep. like the buildings are falling and they're like oh, fighting yeah, against they, each other they, they, they so had good. this they had superman syndrome real bad in this one yeah they destroyed they destroyed like the entire surroundings yeah. to have their, their or when they fight. or they kept tossing cloud up and up and up and yes. up yeah. <laughs> Teamwork. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Teamwork. I think there was like one person, I don't remember who it was, but she like jumped off the building onto Cloud and like threw him and I'm like, that's not how physics yes. works. That was Yuffie. Yeah, that was Yuffie. She's yeah. just our good girl Yuffie. That's how she's works. just that good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what I is mean, this? She, Naruto she, now? She yes. is a authentic Did ninja you know, from Wu-Tai. This is all yeah. Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> Um, our, our major um, significant uh, protagonist from this movie that was not in any previous title is Denzel. Um, yeah, did, anyone get the, the, did anyone get the chance to watch um, uh, episode Denzel. On the Way to a Smile, episode Denzel? I did not have a chance. I've watched, not recently at least, I watched it a long time ago in a galaxy far, mm. far away, but it has, <laughs> it has been a hot minute since I have watched that um, mm-hmm. short. So it is a, um, Tori and I watched it, it is a uh, 2D anime short, it's like 25 minutes, so normal length of like an anime episode, um, basically chronicling, chronicling how Denzel got from like his parents and uh, how they were killed whenever uh, Shinra exploded the Sector 7 plate. It's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty brutal, like he goes through some really messed up stuff, like the, uh, the journey from him getting from his parents to Cloud and Tifa. Mm-hmm. It's a very sad story. Yeah. Um, 
the short itself is like okay. I mean, I would probably not watch it again. For it's like got any... that early two thousands anime style that just looks really. It's Hasn't like, aged well. huh? Hasn't really aged well. No, it looks. Really. It looks. It's too rounded in just in comparison to like what we see now. So of course it looks bad comparatively, it looks, but it looks cheap. Yes. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. It looks very cheap and it, not that it's bad or anything, not that you shouldn't watch it, but don't mm-hmm. expect it to be like awesome. Yeah. But I guess it's a good like filler piece for understanding a little bit more about what, where Denzel's coming from. Mm-hmm. But well. there was this weird disconnect for me and maybe it was just the performance of the English uh, actor, but um the way that they characterized Denzel in his short was that he was much more mature for his age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess that didn't really okay, come through listen, in Advent Children. When so you much. are a young child who goes through trauma, yes. you grow up very fast. No, so. I, no, I hear that. <laughs> yeah. He, he yeah. didn't. No, that that's not the problem I had. The mm-hmm. problem I had was that he does not seem that way in Advent Children necessarily. Okay, gotcha. He seems a little bit more naive than someone who would have been like through all of these mm-hmm. horrible situations, spent life on the streets to yeah. some degree. And in Advent Children, the movie, he seems a little bit more sheltered, So did that did that short be- come before or after the movie? In, in when it was made or chronologically? When, it, um, when the public like when was, was able to watch it. Oh, yeah. It was made for the release of um, Complete. Okay. okay. So it's okay. So after newer. The yes. So after the dub, after the first dub. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that could be why they didn't have that material before, and so they just played the character how they thought it yeah, should work. Yeah, I, I understand that, but, like, it was also, like, some of his decisions in Advent Children seemed mm-hmm. a little naive, but, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was I just a weird like disconnect. Kind of coming at, coming at not saying that particular episode, I, I do appreciate him being there as a representation of the, all the kind of stuff that Shinra is responsible for. Like yes. sure, in the game we see the Sector Seven plate fall, and we we see that happen in real time, and just the implications kind of like horrify you, the player, but you don't really see the people's the like the way they react to it. The, the aside from cost. saying, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't see that except you know Rufus as this comical supervillain as you fight him, you know, throughout the game and all that kind of stuff. There, it was but under my see, cape all along. <laughs> yeah, that was that but was like, actually my one thing is like Rufus when he uncaped. I expected to see, like, a lot more of a grisly scene than what we got because he, like, left himself, like, hidden the entire time. And I was like, was oh, man, way. what happened to him idea. after, like, yeah. Yeah, that was the idea. Yeah. But anyway, continue. But anyway, to, yeah, to, to go, in, what was it saying? Oh, yeah, with, with uh, Rufus. But, yeah, we see the human cost there. And I, I do like the new scenes of Nizzle here. I feel like he's just kind of helpless, you know? Like, he, his parents die, he finds the church, he finds his new parents, Tifa and Cloud, and he starts to suffer through this, this space leprosy, and he's just, well, this is it, I guess. This is my life. Mm-hmm. And he, he does, in the same way, uh, in this, I guess to mirror Cloud's journey, he also sort of has to discover his own self-reliance throughout as well. Mm-hmm. And that and and the actual, the film text of Advent Children, I think, tells his story pretty well, but... It's in addition to the episode Denzel is what threw a wrench into that because his characterization in that specific short is, at least to me, coded as very different. Like he acts Mm -hmm. different. He his his life experiences lead you to think that he would act differently in the mo- in right. the film of Advent right. Children. Right. Well, so, so sort of piggyback off that, I didn't watch any of the extra material or read anything else really. Did mm-hmm. you guys watch all the those episodes? 
It's just, um, it's one. Like, Square, they do a thing in, like, pretty much everything where they're, like, if they release DLC, they'll call it episode and then, like, the, fo- well, yeah, the but focus. Yeah, did, did any of you guys, like, watch them all? I saw there's a couple more than just the Denzel one, right? Well, there's, um, there's the Denzel one, and then on the on the release that Will has, actually, um, the special edition, it was never included. It's not on complete for some reason, and it was not on the standard edition. Uh, it's called Last Order Final Fantasy VII, and it's a, uh, a uh, short anime episode done by Studio Madhouse that basically chronicles um, the end of Zack's story, essentially. Like, it starts off with Zack, like, carrying that somewhat comatose cloud through, you know, nonsense after they're being chased by the Turks, and, like, Song six the soldiers on him, and you see, um, like, Sephiroth burning Nibelheim, and um, it's like him, like... Material. No, okay, no, it, it it's it's what well, happens not in the material. game. It's uh, yeah, catch up. Like material. a recap. Yes, yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah, recap yeah. material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. I only saw the Denzel one, so right. Um, and you you see like uh, Sephiroth attacking a young Tifa and like killing her father, and like Cloud confronting Sephiroth and stabbing him with the Buster Sword, and it basically sort of ends with uh, Cloud stabbing Sephiroth and sending him into. You know, Palpatine style down the uh, yeah. the Mako reactor. Do you know offhand <laughs> actually like if it's Palpatine. the same? They they reused footage for Zack's death um, from Crisis Core. Do you know if that's the same footage that they used from Crisis Core? Because they did have that stuff in Crisis Core. Um, this this uh, short is two D animated. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is not three D. It's two D. Um, it was done by Studio Madhouse. Has a very Madhouse early 2000s style to it um but i mean it's pretty good i think it's better than the episode denzel like as an overall piece um but uh then it it sort of ends with like hojo kidnapping cloud and like taking him back and presumably experimenting on him and all that stuff so it's pretty worth checking out will have you seen it i have not i actually didn't even know it was on my release until just now so now i have a (laughs) it is it is on it is on disc two you should check it out i see Yes. Yeah, I feel like that may just cover a lot of the ground that Crisis Core ends up covering, but I guess seeing it in that 2D style, more visually yes. difference, it definitely sounds like something that would at least be worth checking out. Um, I'm a big definitely. Zach fan for sure, so I think I know what I'm doing right. after the podcast. <laughs> I think that you'll appreciate it. Crisis Core covers the same exact content, but it is just interesting to see you know, Final Fantasy characters done in an anime style in a traditional 2D anime setting. Right. And also, Crisis Core has Gact as an anime character. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is funny that you mentioned Gact. You know, speaking of musical musical acts, um, uh, the original ending credits theme song of Advent Children was a song called "Calling" by a uh, a um, artist called Kyosuke Himuro, who's a very uh, like old school Japanese like pop rock artist. Um, and for the Japanese version of Advent Children Complete. Uh, he did a brand new song called Safe and Sound with special vocal guest, my boy, Gerard Way. Really? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It is not, it is unfortunately not on the disc for Advent Children Complete in the U.S., but you can find the song, you can find the music video out on YouTube. It's called Safe and Sound. It'll probably appear in this episode in audio form in some And then we get a cease and desist from Gerard Way. That's fine. <laughs> Bring it on.
got a, I've got an important question. Oh yeah. boy. So where can I buy a cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> you got games on that phone? <laughs> <laughs> that is the question uh, for the was, ages. It was funny. As Marlene really and Denzel Marlene. are flossing. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Go ahead. It was funny because you made that tweet earlier, Toria, and uh-huh. I watched the scene where Vincent shows up, and instantly yeah. she goes over to Cloud. I was like, "Hey, where's your phone?" <laughs> <laughs> and then Vincent, she like she asked Vincent, and Vincent's like, "I don't even know what a phone is. What are you talking about?" Um, he just pulls his cape off. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Also, when like Cloud loses his phone, I'm just like, "That's fine. He can pick that up. It's a Nokia." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I wonder Good what point. the battery life is like on those phones. Yeah. Well, that was the thing, actually, is like he was like kind of out and about, like just kind of exploring the world with a cell phone that was fully charged. So like either either his motorcycle had like a charger or he like had like the greatest cell phone ever. So that scene at the end where it's Red 13 is pups like 500 years later, that phone is still alive back then, too. Yeah. <laughs> and they're using it. <laughs> How? They don't have thumbs. <laughs> Uh, Alexa. That's rude. That's how. Oh, crap, I just turned mine hey, on. Hey, <laughs> Damn it. Jeez. Turn on Alexa. Yeah, go back, go ahead, just really touch on the visual. I think Red 13 is interesting because Red 13, every time it's on the screen, it very much reminds me this is a 2005 movie. Oh, <laughs> yes. definitely, In the regard that they had to have the animal buddy. Well, no, it's just, it's the, like the fur effects. Like, everything in the yeah. movie looks oh. great. Like the fabric, every time there's clothes on the screen, they look, they're so well animated. You talk about Rufus's yeah. cape, mm. like Cloud's mm-hmm. like shoulder cape thing. Like just watch the movie and they put so much effort into animating the way these fabrics move. But mm. when Red 13 shows up, it looks so, so bad. <laughs> yeah. See, I or didn't even wolf. notice that because I was too busy looking at Cloud's motorcycle. <laughs> Can we talk <laughs> about that wolf real quick, actually? Like I, I mean, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, man. Did you guys realize that that wolf is supposed to be a metaphor for the fact that Cloud is a lone wolf out on his own, yeah. you know, in the wilds by himself? Does he have two wolves inside of him? He does, <laughs> and they're both sad. <laughs> and they're both sad. <laughs> One of the wolves is named Aerith. The other is named Zach. Oh, <laughs> exactly. <no>. Yeah. <laughs> He's the third wheel. Oh. He he just watches. Well, there's a reason that Cloud's uh, that Cloud one of his ultimate weapons is always called Fenrir. Because again, he's a wolf. <laughs> yeah. Because he's out there by himself, the yes. lone wolf. Yes. He he walked so we could run. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Cloud. Yeah. Thank you, Cloud. It's, it's going to turn out that the wolf's just going to be a DLC skin for Red Thirteen in the remake. Oh no! Gosh. Well, um, you, you, speaking of some of the animation, like you can definitely tell, especially for Cloud and Tifa, probably Tifa a little bit more so, that their command of uh, subtle facial expressions in like 2005 mm-hmm. CG animation, so good. Like it, it still holds up very well. Like, um, you know, high quality glossy CG anime looks a little bit better now, especially in the video game sphere. But mm-hmm. I mean. We can I'd see pores guys, now. Yeah, we can see pores, but honestly, we could kind of see some pores back then, too. I mean, they yeah. looked very solid. They had a very realistic texture to their face, for They sure. did, yeah. And, I mean, the, the hair definitely looks a little bit on the older side, but it, it works for the style that they're going for. So I, I think that, mm-hmm. you know, hats off to this film for being able to hold up uh, visually so well 14 slash 10 years later. 14 slash 10. 
Yeah, you mentioned VisualWorks earlier with all their work throughout, and I think that is very important to track the like the growth of the Final Fantasy series. You know, everyone lambasts Spirits Within, but like that is there's a direct through line to Spirits Within, to Advent Children, to all the visual effects all the way up to FF15. Like there was a definite change from the sprite-based stuff in the Super Nintendo, you know, into what they were doing with this game here, and then FF8 with the the right. more like the more widespread use of the FMVs. And even uh, a few years after Advent Children with FF12 used a lot of that same, if not the same, you know, engine, you know, graphical technology, there still is an emphasis on those style of graphics that we still see mm -hmm. even in the new games. Now, I've, I've, I've heard this. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but apparently the textures for Final Fantasy XII were so advanced at the time that in the HD remaster, they didn't have to update them. Oh. Um. I do not know about that one, Chief, but... Okay. Uh, if I'm wrong, somebody please correct I mean, me in the comments. I mean, a lot of the, I a lot of the textures, I mean, that. maybe that's not exactly, like, 100% correct, but I wouldn't doubt it. Like, a lot of those mm -hmm. textures, textures don't take up that much memory on the disc compared to a lot of the other data. So mm -hmm. even if you were to load up the original FF12 on one of these new fancy emulators that can buff up resolutions much beyond they were intended for... Then yeah, I'm sure they would look a lot more crisp and clean than they would on the mm -hmm. PlayStation 2. I really don't know about that for 12, but 12 was also a very good game that if you have not played, you should. Um, but that's an entirely separate discussion. All right, guys, do you um do you guys have any final thoughts that you'd like to say about Advent Children? Um, if you're a fan of Final Fantasy VII, you should watch it. If you're not a fan of Final Fantasy VII, you could probably miss this one, but it's still very good. At the very least, well, it's a good film to kind of just like watch for the cinematography and fight scenes. Uh, don't focus so much on the plot like I did when I first watched it. Um, mm -hmm. But you still, will, I think people will still enjoy it, even if you don't have that like super deep previous history with Final Fantasy VII as a whole. But I do think mm -hmm. it is worth knowing at least about the game before jumping into the movie first. Um, yeah, like, I really agree with that, and if you want to watch some Final Fantasy characters get into a bunch of really cool, flashy fights, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're if you're like me and waiting to replay the original game with the remake, there's no reason to start playing it now when the remake's coming out in six months. It's probably a good way to tighten. Just it's probably good... next time. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably a good way to, to experience that without having to start another 80-hour game. So don't dilly-dally your shilly-shally and watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. And it's, I it's will pretty, say... It's, it's very accessible. I mean, you can get copies of this DVD for, like, dirt cheap because yeah. there's a billion of them out there. I found the, the Blu-ray. Yeah, for, like, six bucks. So. Yeah, six dollars yeah. secondhand for this Blu-ray. And uh, yeah, Will found me Will found me the special edition Um at a flea market at Awa last year for like what three dollars it was like two dollars i was like yeah i think ryan has See, this exactly. but i'll buy it anyway in case he doesn't have it i had bought the blu-ray <laughs> and you had shown off your special edition i was like man i would love to have that and then you were like hey i found it and i was and, like cool and hey guess what you have last order now too yeah yeah you do, and you can go check that out. Um, so if yeah. you're even if you're even cheaper than going to spend a couple bucks on the Blu-ray, it is right now available on Crackle. Oh really? Oh okay. Oh wow, yep. cool. It is on you Crackle. You just have to watch a lot of ads. It, it's for fairly cheap on like Google Play, YouTube, and Amazon Prime as well. So those are all options. You can pretty much rent anything off of YouTube for like three dollars, and you get it for like two days. So it's pretty much just Google Play. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And sort of as, as my final thoughts on the on the film as well, like I have a lot of uh, sentimental attachment to this movie. It was something that sort of brought me to where I am today in terms of being a, a massive otaku, big yep. fan of Japanese video games, Japanese animation, and this is yeah. something that's very important to me in that regard. Um, in short, it's what it's made a you a complete film. nerd. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Cloud, you know, sort of... Uh, well, Yuffie picked me up and threw me into the sky, into the sky of being a nerd and all that stuff. Um, you could say Yuffie yeeted you. Yeet. Exactly, <laughs> Yuffie the original yeeter. Yeet. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, yeah, this this movie is it's it's got some flaws, but it's it's pretty solid. If you're if you're somebody that loves Final Fantasy, loves Final Fantasy VII, and loves these characters, I think that there's definitely something in this film for you. So yeah. definitely check it out if you haven't already. But if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you've probably seen this already. That's probably. <laughs> I mean, if you're FF, if you're like a Final Fantasy fan or even FF Seven fan in particular, you've seen this movie already. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Or if you're listening but to this good. podcast and you haven't like seen any Final Fantasy anything, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you yeah. for thank you so for putting sorry. up with this. You know, talking about something that you have no frame of reference for at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we we appreciate you more than anyone. Yeah. But if nothing else, if you if you're getting hyped for the new the new remake come out in six months, I think this is at least a decent watch for that reason. If nothing else, yeah, definitely mm-hmm. for sure. And if you do want to play the original Final Fantasy VII, it is available on most modern consoles, including PC. It's on uh, Switch Tori- now, which is like a hell of yeah. a way to play it because you yeah, can literally um, play it in the car. It finished downloading about 20 or 30 minutes ago, and I only had to pay $17 for it. So. Yeah, so it's still pretty yeah. cheap. And it's, uh, I would, you know, for some for some collectors or purists, this would be heresy, but I don't really see much of a reason to play Final Fantasy VII on disc anymore in 2019. Uh, for some people that are very picky about their gameplay experiences, that's what they're going to go for. But if you're like most normal people, uh, playing it, <laughs> playing one of the ports is probably just fine and dandy for you. Well, I feel like we're being Gamers. called out. Yeah. How are you gonna, you're going to miss you, out. Ryan. Gamers aren't oppressed. You're going to miss out on the be. disc switching action if you play on the yeah, three man. disc yeah. version. It's like iconic. Yeah, Ryan. Gamers aren't oppressed, but they should be. <laughs> I mean, I kind of agree, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, in, in any way, I feel like having some sort of uh, fast forward feature, whether you're yes. playing it on emulator or one of the the fancy new ports that have that built in yes uh, i will say I the like, fast forward feature is kind of a godsend yeah between grinding like your characters and the materia because uh, that's something a trick i found my last playthrough is you can uh, multiply materia and sell it for a, a lot of money oh yeah <laughs> uh, grinding i'd say it makes the grinding a lot easier when you can learn you well can that's the whole point the of the materia system is once you max something away. it um yeah you you literally get another one for some yeah. reason, I, I honestly do not understand that, but you do, and like, should you yeah. also use the fast forward feature on Advent Children? Um, well, that's a movie, no, so. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're like me and you're always accidentally hitting the PlayStation Four controller and like <laughs> <laughs> skipping around, who knows where Watch into the movie? Limbs, that, that happens to us. Will and I do movie night every week, and like. <laughs> so many so many times we watch it on his ps4 and so many times somebody will like accidentally bump the playstation controller and we'll like skip a scene and we have to like figure out where yeah. we were i have no spatial awareness so y'all, y'all just need to put your controller inside of a black box with yellow tape around it and just sit Mother. in your wheelchair covered. <laughs> yeah bang bang, put bang. and miss way. somehow
have a couple questions from Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to follow us on Twitter and ask us questions about future podcast episodes, that is twitter.com slash ti underscore anime. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash third impact anime. And more or less every episode uh, that we do, we do take questions for. Um, and if you want to send us a question unrelated to uh, some episode that we are recording, you can always send us an email at thirdimpactanime at gmail.com. And we don't check it. No, we absolutely do. <laughs> I, uh, I read every single email that we get. Most things are spam or press releases of some kind. But, um, <laughs> or updates from YouTube or whatever. But anyway, we got a couple of questions. So the first one is from Bill. Hi, Bill. Love you. Um... Why do you think the story and characters of Final Fantasy VII have maintained a place in people's hearts and minds for more than 20 years? Is it just nostalgia, or it was their first RPG, or is it something more? Uh, to Bill, I would say it's because Final Fantasy VII is a really good game, and the characters are really good, and it's pretty much that simple, I think. Um, I, w- I would say I... it's probably a bit of nostalgia mixed with it is probably a lot of people's first RPG. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, but you could say the same thing about, like, anything i mean i do say that about a lot of things so (laughs) yeah i think it is i don't really okay i was gonna say i think it really is kind of a mixture of both because like even when the game came out i'm sure tobias can talk more about this as well like just in terms of its leaps graphically and storytelling wise in a game like first final fantasy game on a ps or playstation one uh like the going to jump from the sprites on super nintendo like 3d and it was a lot of people's first myself included like real jrpg experience that like opened up the whole door into this genre so like from the nostalgia side i definitely see it but even it's over hypiness aside it's still a very solid game that i haven't even played another final fantasy game that's come close to how much i've enjoyed it and i think to just piggyback off of what you said will again that was sort of the most um the most um penetrative sort of uh jrpg in america for like Mm -hmm. the first time it's like they're they had been released over here but nothing really hit as hard as final fantasy 7 and then it was was very mainstream compared to like any of the others like two or three or four and six whatever you want to call them um right and i i don't oh i don't have a huge dog in this fight because i haven't played seven myself but um Whenever I talk to people about video games, specifically like JRPGs, and I, I'm very picky with RPG games in general because I know I'm gonna have to dedicate a lot of time to it. Oh yeah. Um, which with this, it's fine. But like, whenever I'm talking to people about those types of games, like their first one was always Final Fantasy VII. What's your favorite one? Final Fantasy VII. So, um, I, I think it was just pivotal for a lot of people's like entry into JRPGs as a genre and you know that does play into nostalgia too so yeah i i I think both you and will hit on the head with that in particular uh you see a lot of this with both comparing this game to final fantasy 6 and also uh like link to the past and ocarina of time and you always see this both of these older fans and maybe not Mm -hmm. new at this point but i guess it's the whole uh boomer versus millennial fight like, <laughs> game square it's like see, it's well such an un- the super an nintendo unfair. games are better but the no no the playstation games or the the 3d games are better well yeah i think a lot of it is just that it, it is easy to forget now that the playstation one like well said was a introduction to a whole new generation of gamers which are now adults so there definitely is a nostalgia factor played there while uh the ff4 slash 2 and uh 3 slash 6 were pretty popular at the time among the, the niche fans. Uh, our JRPGs or RPGs in particular were still 
kind of niche compared to the like the platformers and the action games uh, of, of the time. So sure, you had diehard fans that will argue with you all day about how great FF6 was. Uh, they weren't as prolific uh, up until that point. I don't feel like uh, uh, in, in, like in the grand scheme of things. So I feel like mm-hmm. that's that's the, kind of the case there. Uh, I think FF7 to me I enjoy because of how much it changed the setting of the Final Fantasy games. Uh-huh. Up until the point, it was mostly D&D style fantasy. FF6 mm-hmm. had a lot of that steampunk, Magitech stuff, which was very interesting in and of itself. But FF7 took that even further into this gritty industrial type of area with Midgard. And to see these characters you know, use both guns and swords and spells was very interesting and a little different at that time. I won't say it's mm-hmm. the first to do cyberpunk magic stuff. But, but did it did so it well and it Japanese. did it mainstream. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It did in a way that captured the hearts and minds of a lot of new gamers. And, you know, I, we just think about like that, that one frame that was, I think, on the cover of the game, actually, with Cloud standing in front of the Shinra Tower. It's just yeah. a very iconic shot that, I mean, hell, if you, if you have any experience at the time, you've seen that, that how iconic that is and just how it mm-hmm. sums up like the introduction to that game. And, yeah. For sure. I think, um, yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's very iconic. The music is also incredible, and I'm like a person oh, who yeah. I judge my games a lot based on whether or not they have a banging soundtrack. And this one has some <laughs> bangers. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I would I would echo that with uh, Advent Children as well. It's got some bangers as well, and some yep. some um, rearrangements of previous bangers. A lot of the uh, Advent Children. We didn't really stuff talk actually, about. Ad- they've been yeah. rebanged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we really didn't talk much about the uh, Advent Children music, but it's also very good. The one thing about Advent Children, actually, that I noticed um, was that it sounded a lot like, at least in complete, it sounded a lot like the uh, or- orchestrated versions of the stuff we saw at the Final Fantasy VII, or the Final Fantasy concert that we went to in October. Mm-hmm, like, right. it, it sounded a lot like that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know that around the same time as uh, when Final Fantasy, when Advent Children was being created, that was around the time where uh, Nob- Nobuo Uematsu uh, founded his rock band, the Black Mages. Yeah. And uh, they, I, d- I don't think they do much anymore because uh, Uematsu doesn't really work for Square much anymore. But um, he, yeah, they, they basically made a rock band. And the, uh, the, the core soundtrack of Advent Children is very heavy metal. And you can definitely <laughs> tell that, that he was definitely in his Black Mages phase at that time. But anyway, uh, we've got another question here. Um, so Basil from the Awesome Cast asks, Hi, Basil. Uh, how does it feel that the cell phone gets the same death as a main character? Ooh, that's hurtful. <laughs> um, I think they took very heavy influence from the In the Water ending from Silent Hill 2 for that particular no, kidding. <laughs> but, I mean, what, what were you... <laughs> the uh, End of the Water ending from Silent Hill 2. <laughs> I mean, like I said, um, that phone isn't dead. It's a Nokia. Yeah. That's true. Fair enough. Uh, Basil also asks, do the fights still hold no weight? I remember feeling like two pieces of paper could have been fighting <laughs> instead of Cloud and others. I mean, yeah. I, I, there, there was some great choreography in some scenes. Um, uh, I, I guess I didn't touch too much upon the Tiva Laws fight, but that still holds up so, so well. I the think Cloud it's the Sephiroth one scene fight that, is good. But... I, don't, I don't know if we're going to do the whole like one scene you remember or take away like we usually do. Yes, we but, are. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead and say that's mine. I call that too bad okay. game Fair. over pal uh because that's the one thing that i still think holds up so much for a couple reasons other than that no basil i agree with you that whole final Sephiroth fight 
I was checking my phone and not really paying attention because except for that one part where they're on two pieces of debris falling down Bayonetta style and slashing (laughs) each other like that was a pretty awesome part the rest of it just felt very generic and honestly up until the point where he cast sword and swords the guy with five swords i just felt you mean very, omni slash yeah. yeah yeah um no will and, I, will and i both said the one fight that was very needless was the uh the highway fight mm, yeah too much motorcycle yeah. it upset me that they upset me that they did a uh go ahead it upset me that they did a weird bait and switch that for a moment you thought Reno and Rude blew themselves up. Oh yeah. yeah. And I was, and I, <laughs> yeah. I I'm so glad that they established that that didn't happen because yes. that would have been such a strange flex for their characters yes. that would have made no sense that whatsoever. That really upset me the first time I watched that movie because I really like them. <laughs> yeah, and it just wouldn't have made any sense. They're not that heroic. Like, no. Yeah. But anyway, that that that's neither here. They're nor chaotically there. good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but not so, that chaotic. <laughs> so that part, uh, to, to two points. Uh, the motorcycle, the highway scene was yeah, mostly useless. But the part where Laws like grabs the ground, grabs the motorcycle with his like legs and swings it back <laughs> at Cloud. Yeah, that's yeah. that was hardcore. Yeah, even if nothing else really paid off. But uh, I didn't really notice it the first time I saw this movie because I guess I wasn't into the characters as much. But I definitely appreciated the Turks more in this version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, seeing Reno just being like, uh, like a goofball and Rude trying not to like laugh the whole time. Also, was very, yeah, very in the dub, Reno is voiced by the amazing Quentin Flynn, who also does Axel, and they're basically the same character yeah i, I kind of thought that the whole time and i think the, like my second favorite scene in the whole movie is where reno's accidentally smashes rude's glasses and he's got the face that he's just like what have you done and then instantly pulls out a backup pair of sunglasses <laughs> yes like, loved it I'm pretty, so many well i'm pretty sure you gags. commented on that yeah there's so many great visual gags throughout that. Uh, yes. Just related to those characters in particular. Of yeah, I've forgotten the... how funny that movie is. Yeah, it's yeah. got some good gags. The, the, the scene at the beginning where Reno's trying to attack Cloud and he just closes the door and locks it. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> a very perfect pacing on that. Also, yeah. Reno tries to beat down uh, a legendary dragon who in some games is the father <laughs> of all Idolins with a stun baton. So like, <laughs> yeah. 10 out of 10... You're, you you tried you tried buddy you tried <laughs> all right ryan and your co-worker had a specific question do you want to handle this one yeah my co-worker evan i was talking to him about uh the fact that we were doing this podcast at lunch today and we started talking about final fantasy 7 and he just goes did anybody use that stupid moogle bot and my answer was no because uh kate kate sith or catchy however the hell you want to pronounce his name was a very useless character in many many ways that served no purpose to the story besides to piss you off and if you're a completionist like i am give you another character to grind limit breaks for and his limit breaks were very annoying i did not enjoy using him when i played but aren't you just so glad that they made him a major side character in dirge of cerberus yeah so so glad <laughs> Uh, with, with, with that character, I tried to use him in my last playthrough. I was trying to go beyond the normal lineup. And yeah, I just didn't really enjoy it. 
Like at least with Vincent, you've got that one gun with the hundred percent hit rate and death. Yeah, board, yeah. Which is a little OP, but like Akechi was like, eh, this is he's just not really great compared to the other characters. <laughs> I mean, Vincent was like basically like the definition of an optional character because you didn't miss out by not having him, but God, he was so fun to play as, like or to use. Like if you did have him, oh my God, it was fun. So that sort of brings us to the end of the episode here, and I would like to do the thing that we try and do in every episode, which is go around and hear from everyone about what their favorite or most iconic moment from the film was. So, Tobias, you already outlined yours, but if you would like to elaborate. Yeah, so I mentioned the the, the fight in the church with Tifa and Laws, and I, this one thing that really does stand out to me, even the few years between seeing this movie, just I think I've watched it on YouTube a couple of times, just how fun it is to watch from the fight choreography and, and just in general, I feel like Tiffa's kind of uh, uh, what do you say? Like not, I feel like she's a uh, underrepresented underplayed in a lot of people's memories of these games. Uh, so to see her be a total badass is just kind of amazing. Uh, the music it plays is just a piano, piano rendition of the battle music. Yeah. Which is a nice mm-hmm. callback. And of course, like we mentioned, the cell phone ringtone is just, uh, it's perfect. That was she amazing. Chef like, <laughs> kissing fingers. Like it's just <laughs> so, so perfect. And just like the, all the different action scenes, like you mentioned, Nomura's perfect direction. Just, uh, it's such a good scene. Will, what about you? Um, mine, I think personally, just because, again, when I watched this movie, it was going out of having a lot of nostalgia and love for Final Fantasy VII. My favorite is probably the scene towards the end when all the other party members come back to Midgar to help fight the giant behemoth raging down. Um, just because mm-hmm. I love all the characters in Final Fantasy VII, except Kate Sith, probably. He's all right, but I just like I like I love Tifa, Barrett, like Sid. I like they're all so iconic for me personally. So being able to see them all on screen and have like a big fight together, and also the montage of all of them like lifting Cloud up to give the finishing yes. blow is probably like my favorite bit of just seeing all of them do that teamwork in like a film version of like Final Fantasy. It's just so great yeah. for me. Tori. Um, since I can't talk about the church fight, um, <laughs> I, t- <laughs> you could do I that. do. That's fine. It's a good scene. Yeah, it's just very iconic. But I think um, there's a small scene that really sticks out to me um, where Cloud is on his motorcycle and he's going to save the kids. But he has that like moment with Tifa and he's just like, I'm looking for forgiveness. And Aerith goes, Wolfram who? Or something like that. And just that... That's a very emotional moment, and um, there's just something, like, really beautiful mm-hmm. and, like, ethereal about that scene, so mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, it sort of calls back to that moment where the, the phone is falling, and you hear Aerith's voice and says, like, I never blamed you. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. It's sort of a, a great button on that Which, theme uh, of, like, Tear Aerith. my heart apart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, of Aerith not holding a grudge against yes. Cloud uh, for his perceived mistake. Let's be honest, um, though. If Aerith did hold a grudge, I'd be like, okay, Namura, you don't need to be edgy about everything. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but Ryan, what about you? Most iconic scene? Um, well, being that Will took mine, I'm probably... <laughs> yeah. I'm probably going to say the uh, Forgotten City fight when... Because um, mm-hmm. I love that area in the game in general because I think it's a very beautiful area. And then the scene where Vincent shows up just looks so cool. Mm-hmm. so sure. that entire area i thought was very neat and i enjoyed that sequence a lot despite the 
like the children being stupid enough to to drink the water that the man just turned black because his mere presence. <laughs> but uh, I mean, they were dying. They probably were desperate for anything. That's fair. So. But like, yeah. literally. Man walks into water. Water immediately turns into darkness. Don't drink the darkness. <laughs> like, oh, good advice. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drink the darkness. Our Kingdom yeah. Hearts four. Right. <laughs> uh, I guess for me, you guys sort of outlined a lot of my favorites as well. But one of my favorite comedy moments is when Laws is talking to Rude, and the billboard falls off and hits Rude. That was so head. funny. Yes. So good, that like that. So um, I think the glasses gag is funnier, but like that one where he gets hit with the sign is so good. Yeah. Um, but I guess for me, most gosh, most iconic moment. If you were to ask twelve-year-old me uh, what my most iconic moment would be, it would be where uh, Kadaj is falling at the very uh, at the beginning of the Sephiroth fight and like transforms into Sephiroth as soon as Cloud gets down there and his sword swings and appears. And he says, "Good to see you, Cloud." That would be my answer. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm fe- I'm feeling twelve right now, so that's gonna be my answer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you all so very much for joining me on this episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. Tobias, where can people talk to you on the internet? Uh, they can find me on my Twitter at Reverend underscore Tobias. What about you, Tori? You can find me on Twitter at Worst Waifu. Come watch me live tweet my first playthrough of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Midshelf Ryan and or Will? Well, you just said mine, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I did. Wow. <laughs> did you not know that was my Twitter handle? or? <laughs> no, I, I did. It's. I mean, technically, it's not at Mr. Midshelf Ryan. Not but Mr. It kind of Midshelf Ryan, but yeah. Mr. Midshelf Ryan is my father. <laughs> 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 well you can also find me at twitter at swoosh x bear and you can also follow ryan and i and our buddy edwin's antics over at midshelf gaming where we do post updates about our ongoing video game journey together and we so, also uh, next... we also occasionally make youtube videos whenever my work allows it so up next for you guys is puzzle games is that correct puzzle games it is could you give the could you give the listeners a hint as to what some of the games that you will be talking about are? Uh, tetris I'll give a hint in that right. I'm covering both of my games are on my favorite system. And if you want to know what that is, you should follow me on Twitter and you'll find out. <laughs> um, Perfect. Yeah. We're, th- this, was, this, was a ga- this was an episode that, <laughs> ironically enough, was supposed to be one that we could easily do and use as like a de-stress after Momocon because we worked really hard on the episode we did before Momocon, which was anime games. And then my work exploded, and I haven't had time to finish editing it, and we've had so many production snafus that it's literally become the opposite of, a, of like, a palate cleanser and become a chore. But Was uh, was was Shinra also responsible for that explosion? Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> but it, we, we still are looking forward to, like, this episode, because it is one of our better ones, I think. And puzzle games are fun, so... Look forward to it. Once I actually stop being angry about technology and actually am able to sit down and do the episode, it'll be great. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. You guys' videos have knocked it out of the park every single time, and you guys make good stuff. But uh, uh, as for me, you can find me over on Twitter at BebopShock. That's Bebop as in Cowboy Bebop, and that is Shock 
as in what Laws' weapon does to Tifa in that scene in the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was stupid. Um, anyway, um, yeah, but uh, if you guys are interested in supporting the Third Impact Anime Podcast, please consider donating to us either on our Ko-fi or our Patreon. We have three Patreon tiers. The first one is just a simple $1 support tier. Uh, tier number two is our $3 tier where you will get a shout-out read for you on the podcast and our uh, third tier is the $10 a month tier where you will be credited as a mini producer and you will have the chance to uh, suggest titles for us to uh, watch and review or guests that you would like to appear on the episode or general topics of discussion you would like for us to cover. And if we decide to choose the thing that you uh, nominate for us, you will get credited as the mini producer on that episode. So it's very exciting. Definitely something that you should do if you have a spare $10, which of course you do. And you definitely <laughs> want to throw it, throw it our way for sure. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate you uh, sticking around with us to talk about Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. And uh, if you want to play the game, it is on the Switch, it is on Steam, it is on PlayStation 4. Um, and again, look out for Final Fantasy VII Remake coming very soon, sooner than I expected, in March of 2020. So thank you guys so much. Have a great evening, and we'll talk to you next time. A cacophony of noise. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>